Hello everyone, Laura here once again with another episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I think I introduced my name earlier than I normally do and that's thrown my routine here. I'm your host Laura, that's usually when I say my name, and I'm here this week with Mia. <laughs> Hello, you can find me on Twitter at Omiagod. And Retta. Hi, you can find me on Twitter at Supareta. Can you tell that we're a bit tired this morning? We are recording this and I just, I forgot how to uh, organise a show, apparently. Uh, this is the 14th standard episode of the Clodcast. I, I sometimes say episode numbers, sometimes I don't, and I'm aware that this gets thrown now because we have a Jamie Mailbag episode as well, but the 14th standard episode of the podcast. Uh, today we are going to be talking about episode 65, Onion Friend. Episode 66, Historical Friction. Episode 67, Friendship. Episode 68, Nightmare Hospital. And episode 69, Sadie's Song. So, where do we... Well, I was going to say, where do we want to start? We probably want to start with Onion Friends. Which episode shall we choose? Which of the many options shall we go with? Um, Who wants to start talking about Onion Friend? I'll do it. It's a one-off, but I will Ooh, do it. We're actually <laughs> going to start talking about an episode. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm ready now. I'm, I'm excited. The bagel, like, sandwich thing that Stephen makes looks disgusting. It's fish, cream cheese, and egg. I think I think the breakfast that Stephen starts this episode making is the kind of breakfast that a child makes when it's like, what's in the cupboard and what do I like? They'll go together, right? And what can I make myself? Yeah, mm. what what can I make with the, the kitchen implements I'm allowed to touch? Just smash everything together and mm-hmm. it'll work out. It's it's a very like haphazard child that doesn't have parents around kind of mm-hmm. meal. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, it starts with Stephen making lunch and Amethyst comes in and Amethyst is glum. I, I wrote depressed. I wrote depressed too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, we, 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 we perhaps went slightly more tonally down than you. But, I, just, um, I just wrote sad. Well, I, I put depressed and that felt appropriate considering where the episode kind of ends with her conversation yeah. with Vidalia. But, I think uh, depressed is fair. Yeah, she's either depressed or glum about uh, about the ongoing pipe, fight between Pearl and Garnet. Yeah, it's another one of these moments where very early on it's like, hey, remember, this has happened recently and we're dealing with the mm-hmm. aftermath of it. Yeah, and it's it's nice that they they don't just show like, hey, this isn't just between the two people that happened between, but the people who are having to live in a house with, the, with this couple. Yes, yeah. there awesome. is emotional fallout and weight and baggage on them mm-hmm. having to like live in a house where there's this awkward sort of emotional situation yeah, going on tension in the house is affecting everybody else yeah so um steven decides that his his lunch could do with a side dish and goes to get some chaps out of the <laughs> cupboard an onion jumps out of his cupboard. How long has he been in there? Yeah, how long was Onion just like hanging out in Stephen's cupboard waiting to jump out and be like, haha, I've got your limited edition chaps. <laughs> Is this like the Arrested Development joke where it's kind of like, I've been in here like two hours waiting for the perfect moment to Poss- jump out? Possibly. This, this is another one of those episodes where we've not yet had... I wouldn't say we've had our like full turn of character for Onion, but this no. is... This is, I think, the first one where we start the episode with, like, Onion is weird and scary, and it ends with, like, oh, there is something relatable to him. Yeah, they don't go the full distance of, no, yeah. you just don't understand, he's actually really nice, but they, they, 
do more than usual. They, they I mean, lay the groundwork, because I'm pretty sure the next time we get a dedicated Onion episode is the one with his other non-verbal friends. Yes, I believe um, so. But, like, this is the turning point of, like, yeah, he's weird, but deep down by the end of this episode you at least see, like, he might not be socialising the way that he's expected to, but he does want to be friends with Stephen and sees some element of friendship there. Yeah, also I think showing that his mother understands him mm-hmm. is an important yeah. thing. Like, they have a connection and she seems completely, not maybe not unaware, but, like, his kind of oddity doesn't bother her yeah. at all. She never it's, points out. She's not fazed yeah. by it. Yeah. The, this episode very much starts, and for most of it is still Onion being the weird kid that Stephen doesn't understand, mm. but... By the end of it, it does at least set up so that it's not quite so weird when we get that next Onion episode and it starts with Onion and Stephen hanging out at Stephen's house. Like, it does at least smoothly transition to the first, like, the opening of that next Onion episode Mm. when it happens. I also Uh, think it's kind of nice because um, Onion, because he, he... He's clearly aware that Stephen doesn't quite understand him. He talks to Stephen through his mum. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Because he, he talks to his mum and then his mum's like, oh, Onion would like you to. Yeah, yeah. Idea. So there's, we're, we're jumping ahead of it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. There's a bunch of interesting stuff to talk mm. about when we get to the house. But Onion runs off with Stephen's limited edition uh, potato chips and Stephen runs after him and goes behind a tarp and finds a room full of amethyst art. And Stephen's assumption is, Onion's a bit weird now there's a room full of amethyst art. Is Onion a stalker? It's not an unreasonable assumption. It's it's a nice bait and switch of like, oh, this is a creepy room full of weird art. Oh, actually, it's fine because it turned out yeah. it was an old friend of, of Amethyst it's, who yeah. still like mm-hmm. likes her as an artistic muse. Yeah, like Amethyst is aware that at some point this person was creating art of her. Yeah. So this is this is the garage belonging to Vidalia, who is a friend-slash-friendly rival of Amethyst. They have a very sort of, like, ah, you star, you're yeah. gross, you're ugly, <laughs> kind of Yeah, it's, it's that friendship where they're so good friends, they've passed into kind of insulting each other, and but you can tell it's really endearing, and it's not yeah. actually any kind of... There's zero malice to their mockery yeah. of each other. Um, Vidalia used to enjoy painting Amethyst or drawing Amethyst, because she could shapeshift and she took on all these forms and it's, she found that kind of beautiful. Yeah, it's a good moment there to kind of be like, oh, look, by the way, she is aware. Amethyst is a gem. Amethyst has all these powers. Yeah. Like, it kind of like, it shows us that she's aware of this other mm. side of the world. And for a character, for, for Amethyst as a character who so often has so little self-esteem, it's nice to see a character who clearly like thinks that Amethyst is beautiful and lovely. Yeah. And just, like, not only enjoys her time, but it's like, no, you're, like, a beautiful artistic inspiration. Mm-hmm. And considering how sort of sloven, uh, sl- uh, like slovenly she is, I, I don't know how to pronounce the word I'm trying to say, how much of a slob she often yes. is with, like, you know, snot bubbles yeah. and her, like, room full of trash. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see someone who views her as inherently beautiful for who yeah. she is. It's really nice, it isn't is it? Nice. Yeah. Like, at first I thought it was, like, a romantic thing, but it becomes clear, obviously, as the episode goes on, that it's more of just a friendship yeah, thing. Yeah, artistic, kind of. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just super lovely, supportive friends, and they're wonderful. This... I don't know if I'm reading between the lines here, but I got the impression that perhaps they used to hang out 
as a trio with Greg. Yeah. Oh, they explicitly the say. Um, so and it's both of them initially used to independently hang out with Greg, and that's how they met. Then all three of them would meet together, and then Amethyst and Vidalia stopped hanging out with Greg and just hang out with each yeah. other. They they became friends through Greg and ended up being like, ah, we prefer each other. Yeah, I don't know, like, just putting it with, like, the little Butler episode, like, I can see the three of them kind of hanging out and watching TV and kind of in this period yeah. where, like, um, obviously be- long before... Um, Stephen is born. Yeah. But when Rose is still around. It's it's nice to see, like, people outside of who you kind of assume to be the core of that group interacting with each other. Yeah. Where it's like, Amethyst is definitely the, the more outsider of the Crystal Gems, hanging out with Stephen's dad, who she wasn't romantically connected with. And then, like, they had a mutual friend and then they became friends. Yeah. It's nice seeing that web of friendships spread out across that city mm. and seeing... Some of the more tangential relationships. Yeah, it gives kind of more of a history to these friendships. Like yeah. Before Stephen came along, like... There the was a world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. According to Vidalia, Onion loves talking about you. Yeah, I had forgotten mm. that line. It's It's really... It's a really interesting line for a character that, as far as we're aware, is often presented as non-verbal or yeah. not traditionally verbal. So, whatever the deal is with Onion communicating, his mother completely understands yeah. him. So, I've had... Th- I keep having differing thoughts about what I think Onion's situation is. Is mm. whether he doesn't talk properly, but because his mother's... Grow, like watched him grow up, his mother understands what he's trying to say. It, yeah. If it's sort of like a learning disability type thing or something where he mm. doesn't speak in a way that's necessarily understandable as English to other people. Yeah, but um, due to the connection, she yeah. can understand. There's the other thought of whether it's just that he's speaking a foreign language, that possibly Yellowtail, his native language isn't English, and that Onion has grown up with his father's native language. Is a possibility. That fits. That makes sense. Like, there's... Yeah. That's the whole... Sorry. No, go on, go on. That's the whole thing. Like, I like the first theory more. Mm. That it's just that she kind of is so close to her son that she can understand, even though he's not speaking any actual language. However, that doesn't fit, because we know that Yellowtail speaks the same sort of language. Well, this is, this is why my theory is still that... I, I still think the theory is Yellowtail is deaf. And that, like Yellow, it, yeah. that Yellowtail's mm-hmm. speech pattern is based on um, some people who are deaf can lip-read and as such can sort of speak, but it doesn't sound quite the same as someone who's grown up being able to hear the words as mm-hmm. opposed to just seeing the mouth movements. And that possibly because Onion has grown up in a household with someone who is deaf, possibly he has picked up his speaking patterns and learned how to speak through the way his dad speaks, but because he's not a particularly sociable child, he's not particularly had many people growing up around him who he has been able to learn those sort of easier-to-understand speaking patterns yeah. from, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's um, entirely possible, too. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is important to note was edited out of the UK version of this episode. Ooh, okay. Uh, the nickname Farty Marty. Um, <laughs> in the UK, you don't get to learn that his nickname is Farty Marty. That's such an odd 
choice. Yeah, apparently flatulence jokes. Uh, UK far, Cartoon Network, uh, too far. But uh, yeah, it's the first confirmation, and I completely forgot this gets confirmed this early, that Marty, Greg's manager, is Sour Cream's dad. Yeah, so that clearly was her mm-hmm. we saw it in the flashback. Yeah, and I, I never put together that was <laughs> that Vidalia in the yeah. flashback, but... Yeah, that is clearly what went on, is that she, like, met Marty, you know, when he came into town, he got her pregnant, and then he off he went. Apparently. That seems to be the case. I always wondered why Amethyst is surprised to find Vidalia there, because surely she's always lived there with the kids. Well, they could have moved to a different house within within the town. Yeah, I see what you mean. You would think that it's not a large town. Yeah, yeah. like it. It only seems to be like like Greg once says when he's on about the whole town being there is only about fifteen people. My thinking about that is possibly that at the time when they were first hanging out, there wasn't so much crystal gem stuff to do. Mm. Amethyst had more time for socialising with people in the town. Then all the cor- corrupted gem stuff happens. And she just doesn't find the time to see the I think it makes sense. Like, honestly, thinking about it, that's kind of what I have done with people. Yeah. Like, I had a friend who lived literally, like, ten minutes walk away from me, but I didn't see him for years and years. Yeah. Just because we just, it just kind of, it, you know, it just happens sometimes, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? You can live super close to someone and still not see them as often as you'd like to. Yeah. Because life is kind of like that. I um, suppose that if Amethyst didn't, didn't know that Onion... And sour cream were related to her. Then I can understand that she just assumed that maybe she moved to another town. Yeah. And just stopped forget, like stopped expecting to run into her. Yeah. Either that or just, we know that at some point her self-esteem took a pretty big nosedive. And that maybe that is a factor on oh, her, absolutely. like, no longer checking up on friendships. Mm. Starting to assume that her friends obviously... Oh, obviously yeah. they won't miss me. Yeah, because like that. that's the thing that happens with depression and low yep. self-esteem. <laughs> I also found it friggin' adorable that Vidalia used to curl Amethyst's hair when she was tiny. <laughs> it was adorable. Um, so, weird creepy Onion stuff. Onion makes a mashed potato Stephen, licks it, then dribbles out the mashed potato. <laughs> I don't know how to understand that. No. Stephen says it, but I've also noticed it. Onion never seems to eat. Yeah. I I had a thought when that was mentioned, and I have zero evidence for this other than him not eating, is, is Onion a crystal gem? <laughs> that would be a surprising twist. It would be a reveal. <laughs> That's why they talk odd. It's just the uh, homeworld yeah. gem. Yeah. Onion, Onion is white diamond. so like i'm gonna throw out a random theory that i don't really have much behind but maybe it's a thing sure is it could explain his not eating most foods and his speech pattern is if he's possibly got something like autism or some other developmental condition that has a crossover between verbal development and texture issues Oh, That's that what I thought. It could explain the speech patterns and the not eating, but it would... For that to be the case, you would have to also assume that Yellowtail is also on yeah. the autistic spectrum, possibly. If we're going with that's the explanation for speech mm. patterns. Is it is it time for the jingle? 
Uh, it's time for the jingle, if I remember to edit in the jingle. Uh, where is my pen? I need to make a note so I remember to edit in the jingle. Potentially autistic spectrum behaviours depicted in Steven Universe. Now I need you both to talk for a second <laughs> so I can make a note to put the jingle in. I found it amusing that Stephen is angered and potentially horrified at the idea that Onion doesn't respect food. Why do you hate food? <laughs> Stephen adores food. Yeah. A lot. Well, that was his main character thing. When, we f- when he was first introduced, it was always, yeah. oh, I'm Stephen and I like a hot dog. And like... The beginning on the um, like the intro song, mm. when he says, "And Stephen, he eats a yeah. hot dog," like his entire being was basically food related. It's definitely at the one of the main characteristics. Yeah, yeah. In, in Python. It's it's a it's a thing that Stephen struggles to relate to Onion because such an inherent difference between yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there's an explanation for the ominous light flashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at first I was like. Oh, hang on, does, does someone have, like, lightning powers? Is that what this is? I mean, well, Stephen has been implied to have electrical powers. <laughs> I was but... like, is he nervous? Is that why the lights are flicking? <laughs> nope. Uh, they they flash when sour cream DJs. Kids got to express themselves. <laughs> Which I think is super lovely. I also, to do with the light flashing, and Vidalia said that Yellowtail hates it. Yeah. If he is, like, if he is deaf, and light is his source of like <gasps> being able to read lips oh. and being able to communicate with people. That's a really... I thought you were going to use that as an excuse for him not being deaf because why would the DJing annoy him? But the light flashing... <gasps> makes a lot of sense. Oh, oh, well done. You might have just found the piece that cracks the code. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that um, even though Sour Cream's DJing is a little bit... It gets in the way a bit. It's a bit obtrusive. Vidali is very clearly like, look, he's got a passion and he enjoys something. I'm not going to shut uh, shut him down when he's got a passion. Yeah. It's clearly not both parents that are against Kids got to express himself. Yeah. I, I think a, a factor in that, at least as far as I read, read into it, was that Vidalia has a background as an artist. Mm-hmm. And that uh, probably is yeah. a factor as well. Is yeah. Yellowtail has a very practical job it's go out on a boat get fish come back Mm. it's a like a production manufacturing like i am doing something of tangible value which might explain his lack of support yeah it's very traditional yeah we see later on that like that his dad doesn't want to support him being uh his stepdad doesn't want to support him being a dj Um, let him be a dj let him be a dj (laughs) like yeah it's the crux of that conversation in the car in the paradox the one where they find paradox pod is his dad wants him to be a fisherman not a dj but his mum is supportive of the dj stuff because she sees the value in art because she was a painter she's the creative one it is it's a nice it's a nice thing Mm um i also think it's really cute that when Vidalia and Amethyst are talking. They're talking more like they're both mums or moms. And their yeah. kids are kind of like, you kids go play. It's yeah, parents definitely. need to have a yeah. little chat It now. is the most mum-like I've seen Amethyst act. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because she's feeding off of sort of Vidalia's... Like, yeah, you can still be fun and silly, but you can also be <clears> like... <throat> 
mum-like at the same time. Yeah. Well, we know that she respects her a lot. I yeah. wonder how much of that is her trying to kind of live up to yeah, expectations. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And it's also kind of Amethyst trying to find common ground again. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of like when she last saw her, she said sour cream was um, shorter than she was, mm. which means he was a baby because Amethyst yeah. was tiny anyway. Yeah. Um. So now we get on to creepy things back-to-back that Onion does. Onion makes Stephen feed a live mouse to a snake. Or he tries to, Or anyway. tries to, anyway. Onion plays a video of his own birth. <laughs> that, that's an especially odd one. That, that's a very odd one. Um, as a fun side note, when I was preparing for this episode, I pulled up an episode transcript, <laughs> and the episode transcript of that birth video sounds a lot more like a transcript of sex. Yeah, when we were watching <laughs> it, like I, I knew what it was, but I was like, I know what this sounds like. Yeah, it's until, you know, like until um, you actually kind of see it says love. Happy birthday, Onion, I think it says on the tape. That's weirder to me. Like, it's less weird that Onion showed this to Stephen, because if, like, your mum gave you an important VHS tape, you might be like, oh, this is important, and I should treasure this, and this is important to me. Why, as a mother, do you give your child, for their birthday, a video of them exiting your vagina? Because it's a symbol of their birth. Yeah, but maybe not on their, like, their, when they're a child, if at all. My interpretation is that it's not intended for Onion, and that oh. it says happy birthday because obviously it's his oh. birthday. And he yeah. found and it yeah, and assumed, oh, this is for me. That, that was my interpretation. <laughs> that of makes it. a lot more sense that it was meant to be, like, a metaphorical, hey, it's the day that yeah, Onion was his born, it's his birthday. Yeah. Not meant to be like, happy birthday, this is for you, yeah. Onion. <laughs> That makes so much more sense. Um, Stephen then has to refuse to climb into a secret hole in the wall behind his poster. And Stephen's just like, nope, I'm out. This is my limit. I was okay watching your mother give birth to you. But the creepy vent in the wall, no thank you. Well, even the mother giving birth, he were covering his eyes with the cassette box. Mm. (laughs) Um, So Stephen goes back downstairs very much with the intention of Right, Amethyst, we are going home. Yeah. And... I just want to quickly say that in Onion's room, there is a lampshade that has an angry face drawn on it. I was unaware of this. Mm -hmm. That's a slightly tortured child. Um, Amethyst and Vidalia have a really sweet conversation. Um, Mm. And it's really nice to see Amethyst actually be open about how she's feeling. um, And to see her have someone supportive that isn't simultaneously more powerful than her. Yes, there's nothing kind of patronising or parental about yeah. this conversation, which I think is what happens when she talks to the gems. Yeah, it's there's no talking down to her, it's mm. just her having a very honest conversation. So yes. I have some of the conversation here. Um, yeah, so Amethyst talks about, like, I've never seen Garnet this upset, it's awful at home, I feel trapped... Uh, Vidalia opens up as well, and we. This is, I think, the only real insight we get into into Vidalia's family. We don't always get along in this family. Yellowtail and Sour Cream are always at each other's throat. It makes me nuts. Actually, when I get like that, I think about you and how you could always just roll with it. Um, Amethyst, what? No way, that was you. You were so cool. Uh, I was just a dumb. Sp- I was just a dumb sponge following you around. <laughs> 
I can empathise yeah. with that <laughs> feeling of like, no, no, I'm not a part of this friendship. I'm, I'm just, I'm just living in your shadow, everyone. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, that was like a dumb sponge. Yeah, I just want to say I think it's really kind of cute and grown up of Stephen that he sacrifices his own comfort in order to make sure that Amethyst has someone who is there for her. Yeah. Mm. He knows that she needs someone to be there, that she's not acting the same. So he's kind of like, I know that you need this. So even though Onion makes me very uncomfortable, I'm going to go and hang out with Onion again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think that Vidaldi is really good for Amethyst. Um, There are definitely points in later seasons of this show where Amethyst could have done with going back to Vidalia and talking to her Mm. more. Because, like, this thing that Vidalia says, you were down for anything. You weren't afraid of anything. You know how much I wanted to be like you. I still think about it. To be honest, that's why I started painting you again. I'm inspired by you, Amethyst. I'm like, that's that's a message that Amethyst needs in her life more Definitely. often. Yeah, someone actually looks up to her. She should take one of the paintings to remind her of it. I am surprised there aren't more... <coughs> consequences to this Sorry. episode are like more lasting yeah, effects she I, I, ne- like she never visits the house right like ever not, not on screen anyway like it might ha- be happening off screen and it's just mm. not shown to us but I'm surprised we've not had another Amethyst Vidalia episode yeah like I kind of want to see like a buddy adventure between them at some point <laughs> I want to see an episode where it's like Amethyst and Vidalia get, get drunk and go on an adventure on the yeah. town <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe not alcohol because children's show, but you get my my. Like, yeah, they have a nice. I want to see them have a fun, maybe get into a little bit of trouble adventure together at some point. I could definitely see that. Um, I just realised um, Onion. Although the, all these things seem really creepy, Onion is trying to show Stephen what matters the most to him. It's kind of like here is my pet snake. I love my pet snake. Here it is. Yeah. Here is the video of me being born because it's my mom. I love my mom. Yeah, and, and here is my secret room. I like that reading. Yeah. I honestly had not thought. About I that. I completely agree with yeah. you. Like while this stuff is all okay, you can't explain the mashed potato that way necessarily. <laughs> he was showing him he cared. Like he licked it and then dribbled it out. <laughs> Yeah, but he's all about being creative, like his mum. His mum paints amethyst. If he's not done that, if he just sculpted Stephen and not licked it, dribbled it out and then smashed it, I might have agreed with you on that one. That's just his way of showing he appreciates him. (laughs) Maybe. Possibly. He's like, hey Stephen, I I wish this was you. <laughs> I, I like what you. I, I like your point though about like the stuff in his room having less. It, it's creepy execution of sweet sentiments he's trying yeah. to put across. I mean, it's the thing that kids do. Like, yeah. here's my bedroom. Here's my stuff. Here's, here's my pet. Well, it's one thing that Stephen always does with the gems. Here's things that I enjoy. Hopefully, you'll enjoy them yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so Stephen climbs into the vent and goes, "Right, let's see what kind of nightmare hellscape you're going to take me to." And very unexpectedly, it's a quiet, nicely lit room with all sorts of like fairy lights. It's a very empty, quiet, just calm, lovely room that we later find out is Onion's yeah. office. <laughs> his office, yeah. yeah. According to um, Sour Cream. According to Sour Cream, it's his office. Um, and there is a treasure chest in the middle full of guys, including a lot of rare ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and gals. And gals. Um, and. 
it's just this really quiet, sweet moment where Onion, like, roots through and gifts Stephen Explorer Gal. It's the moment they kind of bond over the same thing. Yeah. Like, they're no longer on different wavelengths at this moment. They're both... It's like, hey, we, we both guys. like this thing. And I, I got the impression, even though, like, no words are spoken by Onion, the impression I get is, like, hey, thank you for spending time with me. This yeah. was really nice. This is something that means a lot to me that I know you would like. Would you like to have this? Mm. Because I really appreciate you spending time with me and I would like that to happen again. Here is my peace offering yeah. if I freaked you out slightly. Mm. And it's, it's, I like that. It's really nice that like a gesture like that without words can convey that much. Mm. I also like that in Onion's office there is a painting of Onion asleep. Yeah, yeah, on the wall. (laughs) Clearly his mum's painted him asleep and given it to him and he's put it up in his office. It's it's a moment of vulnerability and calm, quiet, pleasantness from Onion that's just that first little moment of like, look, he might not always know how to approach the topic, but he appreciates Stephen's friendship even if he's not very good at verbalising that fact to him. I agree. And I think it's what sets the stage for when we get that next big Onion episode. It's like, hey, Onion does want to be friends with Steven. He's trying to learn how to do that. He's trying to get yeah. better at it. Is that why he steals the chaps? Is he trying to get attention from Steven? I, I think quite possibly it's yeah. not knowing how else to, like, not knowing how to be like, hey, do you want to come and socialise with me? It's, if I take this thing I know that you want, you'll come and then we can spend time together. But he never gave him them back. That was what annoyed me. It wouldn't have been that bad if once he was at the house, he was like, here you go. Maybe off screen it happened. We yeah. don't know. We, we can headcanon that. I, I, I do like when Stephen holds up the empty uh, plastic ball and goes, oh, you've got invisible guy. <laughs> There's clearly nothing in it. Yeah, but... it's a nice little goof. Um, Speaking of the gals, did anyone else notice that Karen looks surprisingly like Rebecca Sugar. Yes, yes, I did, and I wasn't sure... <laughs> I think that's deliberate. Yeah, it's it's just like regular human Karen. Yeah. <gasps> Karen. Karen. <laughs> um, so, it ends with like a really nice little bit of exchange between Vidalia and uh, Amethyst again. You're, you're a rock. That's, that's what you are, right? <laughs> like, it's this nice sentiment, but it's also like, I kind of know what your deal is, but yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think you're a space rock. Yeah, so it's something going on around that. But, like, you're my rock. That's sweet. You're, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's a message to Amethyst that's the opposite of what she usually hears, which is like, no, you are stable, and you know what to do, and you're, you know, you're good at getting through life. Yeah. Normally it's the opposite. It's yeah, normally, mess. yeah. <laughs> You're messing everything up. Why do you always mess everything up? Yeah. So, um... I also just want to say that Amethyst blushes a lot when um, mm. Vidalia's been really nice to her. She constantly gets, like, little blushes. She does. I would totally be okay with shipping Vidalia yep. and Amethyst. Yeah, That's what that. I think. I they, you know, you'd have to get Yellowtail out the picture. But... It's fine. Well, Amethyst did seem very shocked when she found out that Vidalia had got with Yellowtail. Did Just she, saying. I think she was disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So just before we move on to the next episode, I do just want to say, um, because of the way we record these, I apologise if I forgot to put in the Aspie jingle. Uh, but it was maybe in there, maybe it wasn't, who knows. Um, you have a better idea than we do. Yeah. Uh, so that's everything I had on episode 65. Anything from any of you? I had a final comment, which is just that um, at the very end, with the opportunity to say how uncomfortable he was, Stephen... Basically, he's like, yeah, that's great. I can hang out with Onion while you two hang out again in future. That sounds he, fine. He, he grimaces a little at it, mm-hmm. but I I kind of like that they skim <clears throat> over so that the next time we really see them interact, Stephen is very clearly like... The next time we see a big Onion episode, it's... This is a recurring thing that goes on. Stephen is aware of the fact Onion's non-verbal. They have games they play that are based around that fact. Mm. Um... I like that we kind of skip from awkward, oh, I guess I'll hang out with him to, but he did do a really nice sweet gesture for me to just, okay, they've worked this out a bit. They know how to kind of make friendship yeah. work. Because, I mean, at the beginning of the episode, Stephen seems actually annoyed and angry at Onion. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare for Stephen to have such negative emotions for someone in the town. He yeah. normally loves everybody and gets along with everybody. But he seems really angry at Onion. He's Stephen's very good at empathy when he knows how to empathise with a certain person. I like that reading, actually. I, like, he I, can empathise with Onion. It's because... Because he doesn't yeah. understand him, which yeah. is also it's, why Onion tries to yeah. get him to understand him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's Onion... Onion not being traditionally verbal means that Stephen doesn't know how to understand what he's thinking, doesn't know how to empathise with him, but eventually he works it out. That's nice. I like that reading. Yeah. Like, Onion's one of those characters that, first watching the show, I really disliked. But over time, he's really grown on me. Yeah, we touched on this, I think, maybe not last episode, some episode. Like, Onion is a character that I did not like at all. Mm -hmm. You felt very out of place with all the characters. Well, like, in in hindsight, I think the big one that changes things is the one where we meet Onion's friends is... Like, that first episode where Onion, like, is replicating all the guys everywhere and has the stolen guy. And I I end up viewing that in hindsight more as he was looking for attention, he was trying to work out how to get people to engage with him without being verbal. And so many of his interactions in hindsight seem not malicious, but misunderstood attempts to reach out to people who don't understand him. Mm, I agree. Which is, like, it's a really sweet thing. Yeah, you can understand that. It's There's something endearing to that. Yeah. So, are we ready to move on to the next episode? I am ready. Okay, so next up is episode 66, Historical Friction. I will start us off on this one. Uh, Jamie brings Mayor Dewey, uh, a Mayor Dewey poster for auditions for a play. And Stephen gets very excited because... <laughs> He wants to be in the theatre. <laughs> acting. Acting. <laughs> what kind of accent was that? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was an accent. Mm-hmm. It's. I like this episode. It's an amusing one that cleverly gives us some backstory. Yeah, it's, it's a silly, goofy episode that... It's probably my favourite time that we see Jamie. Yes. Because it's Jamie actively engaging with his passion for theatre and the struggles of creative freedom versus financial demands. Yeah, I also like that he 
doesn't try to kind of take control of the play. Yeah. Like, he plays all the other characters seemingly because nobody else turns up. But he's very willing, like, he doesn't assign himself the lead role. It's like, oh, Stephen, you yeah. bother to turn up. You get the, the title role if you want yeah. it. It's He's very willing to give the biggest role to someone else mm-hmm. and to just be the, the support. Yeah, I like that. It's a much better representation of him than the last yeah. time mm-hmm. we saw him, I think. Yeah. So the background we get, no one else turned up for auditions. Uh, we find out that Mayor Dewey wrote and funded the story of his ancestor as a historical figure in the hopes it would get him re-elected. <laughs> it seems somewhat unnecessary because I don't think anyone else in that city wants to be no, mayor. We've never seen any rival candidates. Yeah. So Stephen is playing the the historical Dewey and Jamie plays everyone else. <laughs> um... I really like the art change we get in the flashback to, like, when they're reading through the script. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe the art. It was very sort of, like, paint, like like painting on a canvas in, like, limited colour palettes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, it's a nice art style that it's cool and they should make more use of mm-hmm. art. Yep. Everyone goes silent when I sneeze. It's like, it's, I was kind of like, I'm about to sneeze. Everyone just talk for a second. What happened is, I was like, I had a thought I was about to say, and then when you were about to sneeze, I was like, oh god, dead air, I have to say something. And I was like, what was I going to say? I can't remember what I was going to say. We are a terribly professional podcast. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. So the, the story basically is Mayor Dewey is perfect and amazing and definitely found Beach City all on his own. And when a storm happened, he used his supernatural powers to become a 50-foot-tall Dewey <laughs> who saved the day and was perfect. Yeah, that's literally the entire plot of the we, original we, play. Yeah, we were on a boat and there was a storm and the amazing Mayor Dewey grew to 50-foot-tall and saved us all. <laughs> it's about, what, 20 <clears throat> seconds long, the whole yeah. thing? But it shows that Jamie's actually pretty good at writing because he understands that it sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah. well he understands that the story is really flawed because it's too perfect mm. i i thought a lot of this as a script for an episode seemed to be talking about like hey this is why we've just had episodes like the one where pearl ignores consent yes is we've literally just had an episode about a character's flaw and i know a lot of people when that episode came out were really like we are not happy about this. Why did you take Pearl from being this uh, really okay. perfect character and make her this horrible person? And I get the feeling that this episode was maybe trying to be like, hey, it's important for characters to have flaws and to struggle and to have to overcome things because perfect protagonists like the Dewey that Maya Dewey wrote are not interesting. They are yeah. one note and boring. It's, it's definitely something that kind of not only imply but directly spell out like yeah. Yeah. it was boring when it was perfect when he's kind of flawed and a bit pathetic and kind of not that great that's when he's interesting yeah so basically Stephen has a really nice conversation with Pearl about this script it's like hey we're struggling with this script because it's a bit boring because there's no struggle and Stephen talks about the importance of trying again after you make mistakes and Pearl goes really quiet. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, Stephen, when did you get so smart? And it's it's the first time we really see Pearl have a moment of like, what I would call real respect yeah. for Stephen and his yeah. emotional understanding. She's clearly just had a moment where she has kind of 
looked at herself and her situation in a bit of a new light because of something it's, that Stephen yeah, it's says. Stephen yeah. clearly sees my situation better than I do. Mm. And it's it's nice to see Pearl have to be like, I'm I am not understanding this situation as well as this young human child. Mm. Um so Pearl decides she's gonna rewrite the script because she was there. I find it amusing that she doesn't like find it obvious that Mayor Dewey wasn't there. She's kinda of like, Oh, he wrote it, he wasn't even there. Like and, and she didn't point out like, of course he wasn't there. It was like around two hundred and fifty years ago. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, that's odd. I was there, he wasn't yeah. there though. So there's a bit of a, a bit of conflict that happens basically around um Hey, I know that Mayor Dewey wrote this, uh, you know, did these rewrites on the script, but this is a more interesting script, and I think we should do it and screw the financial backers. Mm-hmm. We want to do the the script that we should do, <laughs> ambitious um, and real one. Yeah, exactly. So we get to the night of the show. Dewey seems to be hitting on Pearl again. Yep, yeah. He sit. He asks to sit down next to her. And he's like, "Oh, I, I wrote this, you know. I'm, I'm important. Please, please like me. Um, hot, uh, the, the hot older sister yeah. of Stephen." Um, and she goes and sits at the back. Yeah, Pearl is a loud, overexcited mum. Yeah, they give her the the kind of mothering moment, like, "Oh, that's my son." Hi, oh Stephen. my god, hi, Stephen! Like she disrupts the whole play to excitedly yeah. be like, "That's that's my Stephen." <laughs> it's quite cute. It's it's more proud than we usually see her of of Stephen. Yeah, normally she's very kind of relaxed and laid back, and she doesn't really say anything like that. I mean, yeah. about Stephen's achievements. Mm. I don't yeah. think Pearl could generally get the uh, title of relax. No, but <laughs> I think mean, she's rarely displays that level of enthusiastic yeah. pride. Yeah. So, timeline-wise, mm-hmm. I get the impression this is before Amethyst joins the Crystal Gems, this flashback story. I don't think so, because Amethyst is played by, by a mop. mop. Amethyst is played by a mop. I missed yeah. that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jamie yeah. holds a mop up with Amethyst's gem on and quickly, like, um, a cat, so like mutters it's like something like, like, me too. Yeah, like, me too. I, and I, think, I think I missed that because I was writing down notes. <laughs> what I did write down was party hat, nose pearl, yeah. and <laughs> cardboard box hair garnet. Yeah, very quickly we get mop Amethyst to make up for not having enough people to okay. play them. Okay, correct my initial thought. Um, Amethyst is there. We don't see Rose. But she is, she, well, by the timeline, she is around at this point. I'm assuming she has to be around at this point. Uh, we don't see her. Um, I like that they, they refer to Mayor Dewey as uh, Dewey the Dunce. Mm-hmm. He, they, they hammer home like he did not know what he was doing. He ignored the gem's advice and went headfirst into a storm. He was a bit <clears throat> foolish. Yeah. I love that the prop sword that Stephen's using, you can clearly see that it's like an old either um, it's toilet, toilet roll, roll or an old like kitchen roll, and it still has half of a piece of um, <laughs> tissue yeah. stuck yeah. still on it. <laughs> it is very much like a child's first fake weapon. Um, so I have a couple of like questions I want to ask us about this, because sure. we're about to have a, a gem... I, I, I assume a gem attack the boat and everyone gets rescued. So my two questions are, the thing with tentacles that attacks the boat, A, do we think it's a gem? And B, is it centipedal? centipedal. 
I also noticed that similarity. He very much does in the shadow puppets. He very much does centipedal. Yeah, there are two distinct things. Like centipedal doesn't have tentacles, and I do wonder: are we dealing with two distinct gems? One that has tentacles and one that is centipedal, mm. or is it implied that they're both the same? Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel like this is the first time centipedal turns up. And if that's the case, this is presumably after that big gem weapon has gone off. Yeah. That my... corrupted all the gems. Yeah, because the gem war was thousands of years ago, right? And this is clearly only like 250 to 300 yeah. years ago. So this is long after the gem war. Clearly the gems were living in what will become Beach City. And I imagine that's where they're nearby. Mm. So mm. the temple will exist, but Beach City doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and the other question I have is, what do we make of the 50-foot-tall shadowy gem? Because this is not the fusion of pearl, garnet, and amethyst we have seen before. I think it's all four of them. That is my thought. So I've pulled up the wiki- the Steven Universe wiki page for this gem. They are referred to as unknown fusion gem. Um, yeah, I've se- fan speculation is that this is a fusion we've not seen, and yeah. not the temple, because it doesn't have enough arms yeah. to be the temple. So, the the assumption is that this is all four, because the lower body and upper torso are reminiscent of garnet, there's a huge mane of hair that, that looks like garnets, um, four arms, um, uh, sorry, yeah, it's, the temple has four arms... Alexandrite has six. This has eight, apparently. And usually it's a set of arms for however many people. Yeah, which would... Eight arms would potentially suggest... Like, I I don't know... Oh, no, sorry, I've got this the wrong way around. I'm trying to read this. This one has four arms. Yeah, the temple temple has eight, and Alexandrite has six. Yeah. So... This could potentially be, if it's got four arms, this might be just a fusion of two of them. Honestly, what I think, I think this is just Alexandrite, and I think the Shadow just has the wrong number of arms. Well, also the wrong hair. Well, yeah, but I, I, I mean, this is just my take on it. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm not saying I'm definitely right. Like, I'm open to being wrong. Yeah. I think, knowing what we know about that time period and what took place, the three of them are there, Rose is not there. And then some sort of giant fusion. Is is Rose not there at all? Or is she just not shown? Well, Pearl says, like, oh, I fight in the name of Rose. Or something along those lines. And if Rose was there, and it was Pearl who rewrote the story to tell it, she would have have had, like, a main role of, oh, she was so heroic and brave and beautiful. That's a really good point. So I, I think it has to be... Alexandra, yeah. I don't I, see it, it being any other. Because otherwise it's, what, Opal? Well, but Opal's it, not really it's big a big. It's mm. a big mistake to make to have the wrong number of arms and the wrong hair on a silhouette. Now, part of that could be Jamie doesn't know what this thing looked like. That's what I'm thinking. Going it's, off. It's, sorry, I don't really yeah. No, 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 go ahead. Um, it, my interpretation was it has the wrong hair because it's probably just the, uh, the garnet hair prop that we just saw a moment ago that Jenny no, was wearing. No, no, it's, it's different. It is, like, curved. Okay. Okay, we have a picture of it here that um, Retta can look at. <laughs> that is not the garnet box hair, is it? <laughs> this is not the box garnet hair. Oh, no, it's kind of like three circles of hair. Okay. It, it's very rose-esque hair. That's yeah. Like, if I was going just off the, the silhouette and mm. trying to interpret what we're looking at, 
It looks most closely like it would be a garnet rose fusion. That's kind of what the it's... hair looks like, Mia. I've drawn a little picture of the free <laughs> Thank you for that. This is the unknown fusion gem wiki if people want to look this up. But forearms suggest it's a fusion of two gems. The hair and the body type would suggest it's rose and garnet. My instinct is to think it's either all three or all four gems, or it's some combination fusion we've not seen before. Mm. But looking just at the shadow, to me it shouts Garnet Rose, even though that doesn't really make sense with the story, and I acknowledge that. Yeah. I acknowledge that Alexandrite would make the most sense contextually. Mm. So I I think it's Alexandrite, but I accept that it could being yeah. Rose with someone else. I I don't know. No one really knows what's going on with this, but it's an interesting thing to speculate, and I would love to hear fan thoughts on this. I just had a thought. Yeah. What if it's Alexandrite and she looks different because this is when Amethyst was really small? <gasps> oh! Because back then, Amethyst was like a little toddler. So what if she wasn't able to add the arms to Alexandrite because she isn't... Fully developed. We, yeah. we also know that most of the gems look different in the past. They've had different appearances yeah. before, which means their fusions might appear so different. So, what if it's just that? It if... might be, yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> a really good thought. <laughs> I uh, like that. Yeah, I would love to, if people want to email hello at crystalcloudcast.com their theories, I would love to read theories on, on this unknown fusion yeah, gem. Yeah, I'm curious what people think. Um, I really like your theory, though, man. Yeah, that's a really good thought. Um... So, it turns out people really enjoy the play and its honesty. They're very into the fact that it's like, oh, you showed the town's founder as a human with flaws who was a real person. And Mayor Jumi has to acknowledge, oh, okay, that this wasn't what I asked for, but it it worked out. Yeah, it surprises him. He was expecting this to go down badly. Um, Jamie gets to be a star. (laughs) And everyone comes up to him for autographs and it's really sweet. He's, he's the star of his, his uh, local theatre production nice, on the it's beach. It's obviously what he wants. Mm-hmm. He wants that attention. He, he gets to feel famous for a yeah. minute. Um, well, he's scared, isn't he, that this will be his first and last performance yeah. because he's like, this play's gonna suck. It's so nice that Jimmy comes up and is like, hey, assuming the budget accounts for it, do you want to just like be in charge of like all yeah. town plays <laughs> now? And this is everything that Jamie could have wanted. Absolutely. Um being the star of local community theatre. and Well, that's what Garnet said, right? Yeah. Start with local theatre. Yeah. Start with local <clears throat> theatre. Uh, and the episode ends, always end on a joke. The end. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Star wipe. The joke being that there is no joke. Yeah. It's it's a joke you can only get away once with once in a show, mm. but I think their delivery was good. Yeah. So that's everything I have on the historical mm-hmm. friction. That's me done. Yeah, it's like it wasn't a particularly life-shattering episode, yeah. but it was just a nice little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that was like pleasant. Uh, now's time for the big one, I think, of this week, <laughs> episode sixty-seven, friendship. Um, so this episode is like the big one where we start getting dealing with the fact that there is some long-term repercussions for what Pearl did to Garnet. Like, this... We've had, like, a three or four episode gap where just they have been awkwardly not addressing their issue to each other. We've had a a break where it's kind of there in the background and now it's like, okay, let's deal with it head on. It's one of these things, like, when there is an issue in a relationship, sometimes you need some breathing space before you're ready to talk about it Mm -hmm. and then you're 
you might only talk about it if you're forced to. Yeah, like, I had mistakenly thought that this episode came straight afterwards. Yeah, we had a whole discussion yeah. about this between episodes. It's like, no, there's there's a gap yeah. before we deal Having with this. Having seen it with the gap and seeing the repercussions seeded in that gap, I think it works really well. It also shows that um, if a relationship's not working out, it doesn't just affect the people within that relationship. Yeah. It yes. also affects As we the were people saying with there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is also, like... It's a few episodes before this gets resolved, but this is the the hint that our next Clodcast episode is going to be almost exclusively Peridot content. Yeah. We are teasing, like, the, the tracking and recapturing of Peridot arcs. Yeah. So, um, They're getting close yeah. to getting Peridot now. Yeah, so Peridot has been trying to repair the galaxy warp and the gems find her. Is it damaged because of the bomb that they sent there? Uh, that's my assumption, is it's the one that we see in... St- in the future visions. They, yeah. s- they sent a star, fallen star, falling star, one of those. Yeah. yeah. Because in one of the uh, things, when they drop it and the whole like world explodes... <laughs> Beach City is just leveled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, however it's ended up happening, the galaxy warp is pretty much destroyed and Peridot's trying to replace it. Um, Peridot lays some pretty heavy hints about the cluster, which he hasn't yes. explicitly confirmed yet. This planet has an expiration date. She blatantly says, like, yeah. hey, <laughs> the planet has an expiration date. This planet yeah. is going to be destroyed. That's why I'm trying to get off it. Yeah. So, a few things I like during the bit of fighting we get here trying to capture Peridot. Um, Stephen is able to summon the shield to save the gems with ease. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a whole thing. In this episode, he summons it, like, three or four times in an episode, and yeah. they make a point of saying, like, hey, you that's multiple times in a day. Well done, you. Yeah, as he says, like, three times in a day. It's, mm-hmm. it's It seems like it's, like, spell slots in a tabletop <laughs> RPG or something, yeah. where it's like, you know, hey, that's impressive that you managed it that many to- times without a long rest. Yeah, exactly. I saw it as, it's almost like it uses up his mana. So just yeah. he, like he's—he seems. I mean, we're jumping ahead, but he seems to be like, "Oof, that's really taken it out of me three times in one day." But he's definitely improving in terms of his mastery of his own abilities. Yeah, it's no longer something that activates when just when he needs it, and it's he, not an instant. Yeah, anymore. he can't. He, he's got a limit to how often he can do it, but he can do it on command yeah. now. Um, so Pearl falls on top of Garnet during the fighting. Because she's trying so hard to prove that she's useful and yeah. that she's done a good thing, so she's worthy of forgiveness. She's very over-eager. Yeah, she's so, like, overly eager to prove herself yeah. that she messes everything it's up. It's the point of clumsiness. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a really interesting exchange between Garnet and Pearl here. Garnet says, Pearl, get off me. And Pearl jumps off of her straight away and goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. And... <laughs> Like, on the surface level, I think that's you're getting in the way of me during this fight. But I think part of it is also maybe meant to be about the fact that we just had a non-consent arc. Yep. And it's it's like, oh no, I'm touching the... I'm, I'm yeah. lying on top of the person that I just had this whole non-consent thing with. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. I'm making them uncomfortable. I'm s- Even though it was completely an accident, she's like, oh shit, is this going to make it harder for us to deal with... Yeah, like, this, fixing this. This is the exact reason that you're annoyed at me. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a goofy, silly, almost Roadrunner-esque fight. 
Well, like, Peridot's, like, just running around completely <laughs> avoiding them, yeah, flying like, off the walls. She's running on her fingers. Again, she's played up as kind of more goofy than an actual threat. I, I think it's in hindsight we see this silliness. Yeah. I think she seems to be more like a full-fledged version of Steven, in that he is goofy, but he seems to be actually really good when he wants to do something. Yeah. I think as well, Steven's reaction to this, again, tells us that... Peridot is not a huge threat right now, and this is a lower stakes situation because Steven's yeah. like, "Have a nice weekend," and like he, he's not really. It's, yeah, scared yeah. At I'm all. amazed how much of this flew over my head on first watching. I didn't realize quite how much they were playing her to be not a terrible threat. Yeah. Like I still expected her to like get all serious at some point. <laughs> um, I also like the, the the have a nice weekend thing immediately after because all the gems look like. Why yeah. the hell did you say that? It's kind of like. Have a not nice weekend. <laughs> um, so it turns out they're tracking Peridot using Peridot's ship, which they've reverse engineered to track when she uses warp pads, mm-hmm. which is good, smart idea. You've got a yeah. network that, like a transport network, it's a good idea to try and track movements through it. I assume this is tracking her um, equipment, like her fingers and legs. Yeah, and... the, the limb enhancers. Yeah, because they're all linked into her technology, isn't it? Yeah, it's either that or, like, considering that the only other people using the warps on Earth are the crystal gems, they could probably just track for any warp pad That's movement. That's true. <laughs> and if, if it's not one of them, it's probably Paradox. Yeah, that also makes sense. Um, so, Amethyst points out at this point, and it takes Pearl a while to learn this, Amethyst points out, getting Peridot won't fix what Pearl did. She Mm. could hand Peridot over on a silver platter, but it won't make up for the stunt she pulled. Yep. It is really nice that they make this whole point of, like, doing something effectively or good or helping with something unrelated doesn't undo negatives you've done to someone. Yeah, Yeah, I took it as kind of like, Pearl is misunderstanding the reason that Garnet is still upset. She she thinks that she can force Garnet to forgive her by being effective enough. Yeah, it's like, you were annoyed because I wasted your time when we could have been looking for Peridot. So yeah. therefore, if we have Peridot, it's, it's all, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, so. but it's like, yeah, but also non-consent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ship that they end up going and investigating that Peridot seems to have gone to, it seems to be the ship that Centipetal came to Earth in. Yes. When we see the hand-drawn Centipetal coming to Earth and leaving scene. It yeah. seems to be that same ship. On her second episode... This is where she returns, right? Centipedal. Yeah. So Centipedal eventually ends up coming back to one of these ships, I think, and that's where the other Centipedals are, if I remember right. I also like that they look like the traditional UFOs. Yeah, because the the theme of this is that this is the old gem tech. Mm -hmm. So this is the gem tech that Lapis was used to. And the hands and the kind of new tech that we see. But Peridot doesn't know how to use it because it's ancient. Yeah, she seems annoyed by like, like, oh, this is so old. I I love the design because it, it seems to be like a combination between standard like 80s UFO design alongside like the War of the Worlds tripod legs yeah and i i i just like that from a weird like ship design retro martian type design um so peridot traps the clods in the ship um and fires a bunch of lasers eventually when she works out how Mm -hmm. 
One thing that I have written down is why there's so many like brutal death things inside of their own ships. It could be defense mechanisms, I guess. It it could be that Peridot turned up and very quickly rev- like took some yeah. from the outside of the ship and pointed them inside Absolutely. and then shuff- shuffled away. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I was just kind of like, it seems like an odd choice to have all these things that could kill you if you press a wrong button inside your own ship. It, it could be a way to stop someone stealing your ship is to be like, you don't you try and hotwire it, you're going to get lasered. Yeah, that's the way I see it. It's sort of like a defensive thing. Yeah, so Seaman once again saves them with the shield three times in one day. Peridot is running circles around the gems. She is just like <laughs> completely on top of the situation. Yeah. She's small but effective. Yeah. I, I quite like that about Peridot. Um, Pearl runs carelessly into situations. It's really unlike her in terms of how she's been characterised the rest of the show. She's mm-hmm. usually so careful, detail-oriented, meticulous. The fact that she, like, time after time here, like, gets fooled by hologram Peridot, and, you know, she's so desperate to prove herself to Garnet that she's she's making the same mistake Stephen did, of, I'm so determined to prove myself to you that I'm going to run headfirst into danger and need saving. It's like that finish line is right there. Like, Peridot is right there. If Pearl can just get her, then everything will be fixed. Well, even when Pearl knows that it's the hologram, she's still attacking it relentlessly, just kind of... And it's like, you know that that's not going to do anything, but you're just angry because Mm. you can't do what you want to do. Garnet's furious at Pearl for how careless Mm. she's being. She's like, I get what you're doing, but stop being so careless. Like, just get on with what you're supposed to do. Um, Never mind. Okay. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, so the next thing I have on here is Garnet and Pearl get trapped together in a big hole. Now I can say the thing that I was going to say. You could have said it like <laughs> ten seconds ago, I'm sure. You need the intro. Yeah, but it, it kind of... Uh, you could I have introed it yourself. I didn't know if we were too far behind or ahead. I okay, was okay. confused as to where we were. Okay. Amethyst is the one who saves Stephen because Pearl and Garnet are too distracted in their own drama to realise that Stephen needs yeah. saving. Yeah, unusual as yeah. well. Not- it's really unusual normally it's Garnet because she has future vision so yeah. she can plan these it, things it's odd that Amethyst is yeah. the one that yeah. if, if Garnet was too distracted to save Stephen it's like oh you were really distracted <laughs> yeah. like mm-hmm. something was really on your mind um, so we have a bit of a transcript and this is this is like the crux of the, the big conversation that uh, happens between Garnet and Pearl mm. so I'm pulling up the transcript um the bit that I like with this yeah. is we see that it's still bothering Garnet as well in a yeah. different sort yeah. of way. She's she's aggressively lashing out, yeah. in, not at Pearl, but in general. Like, um, when she's down in that hole, she's like just like punching the wall in frustration. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Pearl says things weren't supposed to turn out this way. We'll get out of here somehow. That, that's not what I mean. I really wanted to catch Peridot to make up for what I did. I wanted to prove to you that that everything could go back to normal. And then here's the big garnet line. Catching Peridot won't make things go back to normal. This isn't about Peridot. Um, you lied to me. You need to learn that there are consequences to your actions. Yep. Please tell me how I can make you forgive me. 
that is the most telling line from it Pearl. Is. Yeah. How can I make you forgive me and Garnet... I'm, I'm so glad that Garnet gives this line. It's such a good line for kids to hear. It's, um, you can't. You Yeah, it's that, you can't, you lied to me, there are consequences to your actions. And mm-hmm. Pearl's response... Pearl is so shitty here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. And Garnet's like, no... Garnet kicks the wall next to Pearl. Like, she clearly wants to be, like, physically aggressive mm. at Pearl and is having to fight her way back from it. She's like, I don't want to hear your excuses. It's like, don't try and justify it. You did something wrong. There are consequences. You can't force me to forgive you. Yeah, I it's really like the that. whole thing with Pearl again. Instead of apologising, she gives excuses as to why she did yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's a reason why yeah. it's not what And it's like, but that's not what is important here. Mm. You need to apologise. As someone that's been in situations like this, um, when people try and justify their actions rather than just apologise and acknowledge that there are consequences for them that they can't force, like, they can't force a person to feel better about that just makes things worse yeah it's like you do not understand yeah. what the problem is you, here you need to understand there are consequences sometimes and you can't force it to get fixed yep. you sometimes just have to give it time mm-hmm. um so the big pearl block of text we have is um it's true no matter how hard i try to be strong like you i'm just a pearl i'm useless on my own at this point she starts to cry I need someone to tell me what to do. Um, when we fuse, I can feel what it's like to be you, confident and secure and complete. You're perfect. You're the perfect relationship. You're always together. I just wanted to be a part of that. At no point does she acknowledge what she did wrong. It is still her trying to justify... This, this is why I did this it. This is why I did it. It's like, yeah, I don't care why you did it, you might have had understandable reasons, but you still did it and there are still consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And it, Yeah, she she says it almost like how could I not do this when yeah. this is how awesome you it's are. It's like, but look, look how I couldn't resist this and it's yeah, kind of like, that's awful. not the goddamn point, woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Garnet's like, I'm not as strong as you think. I fell apart over this. Ruby and Sapphire were in turmoil over how you deceived me. I came undone. Like, oh, this this whole arc is so brilliantly written. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Uh. Well, like that bit, it's a reminder that no one outside of Stephen and Greg actually are aware yeah. that Garnet came yeah. undone over this. And it's such a rare thing, we're led to believe, like, they never run a few. Yeah, because yeah. Amethyst is like, oh, wow, that really yeah, happened. Yeah, it's like, did that really happen? And Stephen just really solemnly it's, nods his head. It's just a thing of, like, it's that's how utterly conflicted she was about how to to deal with what mm. happened. Like, it really tore her apart. It really messed with her. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this, is a, like, this isn't just a silly thing. You really, really upset me mm. with this. Um, Garnet talks a bit here about herself. Um, it's not easy being in control. I have weaknesses too, but I choose not to let them consume me. I struggle to stay strong because I know the impact I have on everyone. Please understand, Pearl, you have an impact too. There are times when I look up to you for for strength. You are your own gem. You control your own destiny. Not me, not Rose, not Stephen. But you must choose to be strong so we can move forward, so I can trust you again. It's... 
you don't fix broken trust by continuing to, like, try and fix it. You just have to be strong, accept that it happened, accept your role in it, and just be strong and give it time. Yeah. Until until the person that you've hurt feels ready to talk and feels ready to sort things. And stop looking at herself in relation to other gems. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So they end up escaping the hole by having this realisation that there's only one way to get out of the hole and the only way that they're going to do it is by fusing because Sardonyx has a drill and can leap up and drill through the top and get out and Garnet's the one to suggest that it's the only way out. And I really like that Paul's response is only if you're okay with it. Yeah, it's consent. It's, immediately it's consent. Kind of like... It's I get that this is life or death, but consent is still important and I need to make sure I'm I'm getting that. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's because she finally understands like how much harm she did. Yeah. It's like like she understands what the actual problem is. It's not Oh, we could have caught Peridot. It's look, you nearly ruined our relationship, all because you were so self-conscious and you had such low self-esteem that you used like Garnet to mm-hmm. try and make her feel better about herself. Yeah, it's. I I I think my favorite thing about this whole exchange is when, as soon as they break through at the the ceiling, they unfuse, and there is just this very subtle look between them of like, we did that, that was okay this time. Things still aren't okay with us, but they can be. It's a start. We you know we did we did this on the right terms. I get the importance. Okay, I I get that this is going to take time. Yeah, like we're getting there now. It's it's a silence, but it's an understanding silence of like, okay, things can start to heal, mm. and it's just really nicely handled. It is. Um, so we then get Peridot, who's trying to work out how to do more things with the ship because the ship's confusing her. Ah, uh, stupid button here. I don't know why anything does. Ah, uh. <laughs> I do love Peridot. On this. She's so goofy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love when she flies off and <clears throat> Stephen shouts, I got, I caught a peridot. Yeah. And she says, get your touch stumps off of me. <laughs> it's our first look at not knowing human yeah. words. Yeah. Get your, t- your touch stumps off me. It made me laugh. I'm trying to remember what she calls other stuff now. But yeah, there's a whole list of I, I love her like weird period- periodotisms. I know there's mm. um, scent sponge for nose. Yeah, that's your scent sponge. My, my favourite will always be um, works of art are meat morps. Yeah, meat morp. Yeah, I, I love creating meat morps. <laughs> we um, still use that, don't we, Mia? Yeah, yeah meat morp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being being painting a good old meat morp mm-hmm. today. <laughs> um, so Peridot ends up escaping minus one of her limb-enhancing feet. Yes, I think it's cool because it shows that there has actually been some consequence for Peridot this episode. Yeah. Like, she's not just got away clean again. Like, she's actually lost something. It is our first hint that Peridot is not as physically imposing as she's made out Mm -hmm. to be. That part of this is not actually her, it's an outfit. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is what builds up towards tiny... Angry ball of of memes that is Peridot. I'm very much looking forward. I'm so excited for Meme Lord Peridot. 
Because, like, she's going to have to take off the other limb-enhancing foot because now her legs are different lengths. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're getting there. It's almost time. <laughs> um, so that's everything I had about episode 67. I had a final note that just says that everybody laughs at the end to show that they're actually resolving their issues and they're now a team again. I have the Amethyst was really relieved. Like, she says, finally, and kind of collapses onto yeah. the floor. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, finally, they're finally actually talking to each yeah. other so that they can start to move forward mm. again. So, uh, next up is episode 68, Nightmare Hospital. This F episode F <laughs> is F about uh, Connie F. I, I don't know how long I can keep that up. They use the word F a bunch in the introduction. It's adorable. Yes. Um, Yes, Seth. <laughs> yes, Seth. I like that, Mia. So, yes. I, I like this because, like, originally Connie's like, that's not correct. And then she just starts She, she realises it's fun and yeah. she just, like, stops being grammar obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, so Connie puts her, goes home with Steve and they go online and Connie puts her glasses back on to assume her secret identity. Superman. Yeah. Um, Stephen has a very... A caring idea that makes sense for him because he doesn't live with human parents, which is, hey, you want to get better with swords? Hey, look after my mum's sword. It's it's a nice trusting gesture. It's something very significant to him that he's willing to lend to Connie. And neither of them really stop to think about, Connie's mum's not going to like this sword. No, not really. Um, I also really like that Stephen um, turns to Lion and goes, may I? To get the sword out of his mane yeah. rather than just grabbing it and taking it. It is sweet. Um, so they run it's in more the... about consent, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Consent. Don't uh, reach into someone's head without consent. It's rude. <laughs> um, so they run into the house to hide the sword from Connie's mum because Lion's run away already. Um, Dr. Mahesh Warren comes in. How are you? Uh, oh, Stephen. Hi. How are you? Sitting. <laughs> It's, Stephen is not a good liar, as yeah. you see. He just kind of awkwardly rushes out a shouted word to try and <laughs> do yeah. a lie not very effectively. I like how perfectly Connie just falls into this act. She's like, he's playing yeah. the violin. She's like, oh, okay, hello. Yeah, I just finished my five o'clock violin lesson. Oh, you're five minutes late for your study hour. <laughs> um, I like that they try and hide the sword as a coat wrap. Yeah, just in plain sight. And just put yeah, it when, when did we get a coat wrap? Oh my god, it's a sword. <laughs> um, so, Connie lies about the origin of the sword. Mm. She doesn't acknowledge this is my sword for training, or this is Stephen's mum's sword. This is a sword I found outside. I think a lot of that is her trying to hide. I don't want to acknowledge it's mine, obviously, because she won't be happy about that. I don't want to acknowledge it's Stephen's in case that implies Stephen is dangerous or getting involved in dangerous things and I'm stopped from seeing Stephen. Yeah. I'll just say that I found a giant pink sword outside and brought it in the house. I guess that's the best option. I found this interesting that Stephen seems quite upset, I guess, by this. Yeah. Like, he clearly is not comfortable with the idea of this sword, which is important to him, and it's, you know, it's significant Yeah, and it gets him. confiscated. And it gets taken away from him, and it also gets referred to as but, something that was just found, discarded yeah. outside. But yeah. he doesn't, like, he doesn't dob Connie in. He doesn't, like, stand up and be like, nope, nope, you can't take that, that's mine. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I respect why you felt the need to do yeah. that. We'll find a solution to it. I'm not going to step on your toes of how you've decided to deal with your own mother. Yeah. 
It's also Connie immediately jumping to the lie rather than giving her parents a chance to understand. Yeah, it tells us a lot about her relationship with her mother. Yeah. Which obviously is a um, extension of what we just saw, which is that her mother still thinks she needs glasses. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Dr. Mahesh Warren freaks out about the sword. Um, how could you possibly think this okay? Do you know how many children I see every day who've cut their faces off playing with swords? <laughs> None! Because they all have parents who love them and who don't let them play around with deadly weapons like some kind of gang member. No playing with swords under any circumstances. Little do you know. Uh, I'll have a talk with your father to calculate just how grounded you are. And we're using the abacus. <laughs> it It is a perfect look into what... Connie's mother is like and like it's understandable that she's afraid of like don't play with swords why would you have this mm. but also we're going to calculate how grounded you are with an abacus there's like a system in place that they use <laughs> yeah and um I love how Connie's response is I hate that abacus I, I hate that abacus um so they basically decide Dr. Mahesh Warren is never going to, like, go back on her decisions. She's very, like, I made a decision, I'm sticking by it, because that's how you do parenting right. Mm -hmm. You don't flip-flop on your parenting style. So Connie and Stephen decide they're going to have to go steal the sword back. And now we get creepy hospital heist. Yeah, this this is when everything turns incredibly disturbing. Yup. Like, would you say this is potentially the scariest episode it's, of the show? It's the most tonally scary, like, in that it's set up to it's set up with all the tonal trappings of a horror film. Mm-hmm. It's really unnerving is what I yeah. found. It's yeah. like it's not scary as such with it being animated and still brightly yeah. coloured and everything. But it is very unnerving, like with the flashing dim lights and all the lights being turned off on one corridor. Yeah, and... they do mute the colours a lot. Yeah, it's they a do. very muted episode. Yeah. Yeah, so before we do go into the hospital itself, um, Lion is a very food-oriented cat who is... Uh, <laughs> it's like Steven! It's like Smudge. <laughs> oh my cat god, Smudge. it is like Smudge! You, like, you, you shake some lion liquors in front of him and he'll do whatever he's told. Yeah, um, that's, that's Smudge. Yeah, yeah, that is our cat. So, um, yeah, Dr. Mahesh Warren is inspecting what it turns out to be gems as patients. Um, they're listed as car accident victims, but they're clearly not human. Yeah, it's like, I assume the implication is that she believes that they are so incredibly injured, they're kind of deformed. Yeah. yeah like you I, can't see their faces. I, I think part of it as well is not, like, everyone wants to assume that the most reasonable explanation is probably the right one, and... Yeah. You don't jump to assuming something's an alien. It's like, oh, there's yeah. got to be some non-supernatural explanation for this. Um, like, when there's no heartbeat, she assumes it's a faulty stethoscope to blame. Yeah. yeah. Not that this thing has no heartbeat. Yeah, because that makes more logical sense. Yeah. I want to mention when they first go into the hospital, because Connie and Stephen are both scared that scared they both automatically hold hands. Yeah. I know. It's just like, we're scared, so let's hold hands. That makes us stronger. It's so sweet. Um, so, eventually the gem in the bed gets up and it turns out there's two of these gems around. Um, Dr. Mahesh Warren notices that Stephen and Connie are there and that they've come for the sword and she's very sort of 
no, I told you, no swords under any circumstances. I'm not going to have any flexibility on this. You're not having the sword. Yeah, she literally, like, holds the sword too high for Connie to reach. She's, like, holding it out of her reach. Like, no, no, you can't take this. Connie's trying to explain, like... Connie should just say, hey, look, I've been practicing with swords. These things are monsters. I need to fight them off. <laughs> but she, she doesn't want to admit what she's been doing, but she's still like, J- J- I need the s- sword. Yeah. Um, uh. I have to say that the, like, the gem shard things... They were mutants. Yeah, those. <laughs> they seem genuinely distressed. Like, it oh, does, like, yeah. laboured breathing and stuff. They make stuff. horrible like, noises. Yeah. It's bo- more of a whining they're, noise. They're the bodies and consciousness of multiple creatures just jammed yeah. forcibly and together. That's got to be an unpleasant way yeah, to live. because they'll all be trying to form their full selves. Like, we saw when it was down in the kindergarten. Yeah, they're When trying. they were trying to form themselves, yeah. but because they're not complete, they can't. Yeah. Um, also, some of the references made in this episode, I might be wrong, but I think this episode is trying to reference the movie Doctor Strangelove. Oh, okay. I think that that makes sense. there's a couple of references that seem to be references to characters from Doctor Strangelove, which, again, really weird reference to make I in a kid's, any kids show. That. <laughs> um, so... Um, Stephen says that he's never been to a hospital before. Yes. So has he never been ill, presumably because he is a gem? Is it because he's got healing powers? Oh yeah, I guess his own spit would heal himself. He's consistently healing himself with his own spit. Yeah, possibly. I I like that. And there's a few thoughts to it, possibly. I, Mm -hmm. I suspect by virtue of being part gem, he has some level of healing ability innately for his own form. I mean, the other read on it is just that the gems don't know what a hospital is. Yeah, they treat him at home as best they can. Um, much like when Greg broke his leg, they didn't take him to a hospital. They tied, they used like tape and two rulers as a splint, (laughs) which is not a good way to heal a broken leg. Maybe Greg doesn't like hospitals as well. Oh, possibly. Could be to do with the price of hospitals, because obviously it's... It's in America. Yeah, that's true. It's not the UK where hospitals are free. Yeah, I always forget that hospitals aren't free yeah, in that's, some that's parts of the world. just horrible. And maybe yeah. not in the UK soon. <laughs> oh, politics. If you're listening to this in two or three years, maybe the NHS doesn't exist anymore. Who yeah, knows? we're recording this in a world where currently the NHS is kind of-ish free. Um... <laughs> So Stephen ends up saving all three of them in a bubble with a gem on each side um, bashing in on the bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, Before this, I did realise we did skim very quickly over. Initially, Dr. Mahesh Warren tries to save them herself using a a hospital cart to bash her way through. Um, Initially, uh, eventually working out like, hey, this isn't going to work. Stephen bubbles them all. Hey, Dr. Mahesh Warren, magic just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to mention, um, with there being now multiple gem shards that have fused and found their way to the surface, does that mean the cluster is very, very, very close to actually appearing? It could be that these are just the ones from the kindergarten, that there were more that we didn't see, and they've kind of just shamble towards my, the city. My assumption was that Peridot had been fusing shards because she saw that Garnet was a powerful fusion and was trying to create an army of fusions herself. Mm. And that this was a very recent creation. Mm, yeah. 
Possibly. I I don't know. I saw this is linked to the kindergarten stuff, not necessarily the cluster. Mm. Okay. In- interesting thing about Stephen's abilities here, he's able to use the shield while inside a bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he can do both of those simultaneously now, which is another like, oh, he's mastering these abilities. Yeah, we've not seen that before. So, yeah, they're inside the bubble, and this is when we get the big, um, Connie has not been honest with her parents' chat. One thing that I wondered about the gem shards, are they trying to hurt them, or are they trying to ask for or get help from them? I took it that they're kind of feral. Mm-hmm. And they're not really thinking at all. They're I, just lashing. I get out. the impression it's it's a very animalistic. Yeah. Like, it's it might be lashing out. It might be seeking help. It might be hurt. It's a lot of conflicting things going mm-hmm. on, and it's not a calculated attack. Well, I yeah. guess there's too many gems within it as well, because like obviously with a regular fusion, the most we've seen is three, which is Alexandrite. But I assume with so many streams of consciousness. There'd all be conflicting thoughts yeah, as well. well. It's, it's like bits of consciousness that have yeah. been forced together. There's nothing... Ooh, it makes me cringe so much. It also probably doesn't help that they are seeing a very, very much a weapon presented yeah. to them. There is a sword around, and sure. that's probably scary. Um, One thing Stephen says as well, just real quick, is keep your hands off my Connie. I know, it's so sweet. It's It's adorable. So... Connie's trying to impress on her mother that she knows what she's doing, and this is, like, the conversation of the episode. Really, Mum, I know how to do this. No, you don't. Yes, she does. She's been training. So I like that it's Stephen that brings this up first, because Connie was clearly never going to do this without being pushed. Um, She hasn't been playing around with this sword. She's been taking classes, learning how to use it right. Even though she's always studying or practicing tennis or doing her homework, she still works really hard to be a good sword fighter. And Dr. Mahesh Warren does not believe this in the slightest. No. No, 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 no. I know my daughter. I know what she's doing every second of the day. All her activities, all her interests. I know she's definitely not some sword fighting hooligan. That's the line. That really pisses what, me off. What, the one about her knowing what her yeah. daughter does every well, minute of every not day? Not even that, just that I know my daughter. Like, yeah. honestly, that reminds me of being a teenager myself. Like, I mean, I'm going tangent, but like... Oh no, go tangent. Tangents are good. When I first came out to my mother as trans, mm-hmm. I don't think I've mentioned I'm trans, but it's blatantly obvious to anybody who's not figured out. <laughs> um, when I came out to my mother... When I was like 13, 14, mm. her reaction was basically, I know you and you're not. Yeah. And that completely fucked up my sense of confidence. I, I had the same thing when I tried to come out to my biological dad as trans, which is the first adult I tried to come out to. And it was just, don't be ridiculous. Like, this was someone who was not in my life at all, really, that was like, no, I know you better than you know you. You're just, you're just a, you know, you're just sensitive. That's all. It's mm. This isn't a thing. Yeah, and it's, that's the same shit I got. Like, it completely messed me up. Because, yeah. like, at the time I'd come to this conclusion myself, was really nervous about it, and then the reaction was like, no, no, I know you better than you know you, and I'm telling you that that's wrong. I, I am the adult. I know you better than you know you. Yeah, it's horrible. So I really like that this is actually in here. Yeah. Because and... it's showing kids, like, 
Your parents may think they know you, but they don't necessarily know you. Yes, and it's okay to stand... Like, you might need a bit of a push to do it, but it's okay to stand up and be like, no, you don't know me. Yeah, like, your parent might be trying to act in your best interest, but that doesn't mean that what they're doing is actually the best thing for you. Yeah, because it's once this push has happened and once Connie sees her mother saying, no, that's not who you are, I know you better than Mm. you know you... Connie's response is really powerful. It's just this, you don't know me at all. You haven't even noticed my glasses. What about your glasses? She takes them off, pokes her fingers through the hole. They don't have lenses anymore. I haven't needed them for almost a year. And it's just that point of like, hey, hey, you you, you really don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah. You've you've put me in a position where I don't feel comfortable talking to you about things because of this reaction you've just had. Um, it's a thing I said before on a much earlier episode, is that being so overprotective doesn't create like a better child, it just creates a better liar. Yeah. Because yeah. you learn to lie about things so you can continue if, to do the things yeah, that you want to true. do. If, if your parents get overbearing and overprotective, you just learn to lie better about what you're doing yeah. and what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I know I did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, if if my mother ever ends up listening to this, uh, <laughs> half the time that I said I was going to Air Cadets, I wasn't because it was horrible and it was just like training camp for masculinity. Oh, so I, half the time that I was meant to be going there, I didn't, I went down the beach and just listened to podcasts instead. So, you know, trying to force someone into something occasionally just makes them better at lying about what they're actually doing. (laughs) I like this is like the least confrontational, like safest way you can admit that you disobeyed your mother (laughs) is through a podcast. Oh no, I'll admit that I lied to my mother. Like I, I grew up to, I grew up not being terribly honest with my mother about how I felt about a lot of things. Um, because you know, sometimes sometimes you just don't feel able to talk about things without judgment oh yeah well like i referenced coming out to my mother as trans like hey i talked to her about it twice and then due to that reaction didn't tell her again for over 10 years yep so um so you learn to lie about it yeah (laughs) uh now i just want to go down the fun like sidetrack of like things i lied to my parents about while i was uh, a teenager (laughs) Uh, all those times i said i was going to hang out with claire from church i was drinking alone on a beach with a bunch of like drunk teenagers underage uh we used to camp on beaches it was great (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool so anyway steven universe um so dr mahesh warren asks in response what your eyesight just magically got better and connie just shouts yes (laughs) i really like that (laughs) yes that is exactly what i have been really exasperated (laughs) i have been dealing with magic and monsters and things like these pointing at the gems since i met steven that's why i need you to believe that i know what to do here and dr mahesh warren's still like "Uh, but 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 you and connie shuts her down she's like there's no time for this she grabs the sword tells steven to drop the bubble and we then just get this really good fight scene of Connie and Steven like working Sword in perfect uniform. Yeah, they they are they work in unity so well. Yeah, they're uh, perfectly in sync. Yeah, it is wonderful. Um and we, we kind of then just skip outside the hospital to Connie and Steven have explained to Dr. Mahesh Warren what's what the deal is with magic. Mm. Um she's trying to process it and she's not processing it well um 
She's like, oh, that's why it had no pulse, gem experiments, um, and you've been fighting these things. Ah! She sees lion. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like a, oh, that's just my pet lion, yeah. that's fine. She's a bit overwhelmed, but she's trying to process it. She's yeah. trying to understand so that she at least knows. I think she realises... I don't have a clue what's going on in my daughter's life and that's more worrying than the reality of what's going yeah, on is yeah. that she's not talking to me. Like what I've written down is that her mum realises it's the more dangerous option is to try yeah. and force her into like living this normal like plain life yeah. and making Connie feel like she can't talk about these things yeah. and she has to lie about what mm. she's doing. Well, like going back to like coming out as trans stuff... Um, since I, like, you know, came out as trans to my mother and then eventually, like, went full-time and stuff, I, as a teenager, I never really talked to my mum about anything, even when, like, there was no reason to hide it from her. Mm. Now I talk to my mum pretty openly, because we finally, like, reached a point where it's like, oh, I'm no longer afraid to talk about X and Y, and for me, that happened because I think my mother realised, oh... I didn't know this was a thing going on in your life because you didn't feel okay to talk to me. I'll get better about listening to you open it up. And, you know, I eventually felt like, oh, I, you know, you're okay with that big thing that I told you? Maybe I can talk to you about just yeah, what's going on in my life. Which that's, is nice. Yeah. I know that's not everyone's situation, but... No, well, I've, I've met yeah. your mother many times and she is lovely and you have yeah. a really nice relationship with she, her, so... We go back a decade, we really didn't, and I, it was very much a Connie and Dr. Mahesh Warren thing of... I didn't talk to her because I was afraid of how she would react to the big things mm. that that were going on in my life that I was afraid of reactions to. And because of that, I didn't talk to her about the small things. Yeah. Because you're afraid of talking about anything. I was the same. I just yeah. never had any meaningful relationship with my parents whatsoever. Yeah. I I have only really had a meaningful relationship with my my mother and my stepdad in my adulthood in the last, like, the recent years, just, it happened when I was open about being trans and when that mm. was, like, a thing that wasn't a problem anymore. Mm. Yeah. See, I... I've always been really close with my mum, who is the only parent I grew up with. Mm. And, like, the only issue I ever had, really, was just um, not letting me talk to people online. Because I was a very isolated kid and I didn't have that many friends and all my friends were online and she was kind of like she was scared it's that you were dangerous talking. Yeah. oh no predators you're gonna get taken and kidnapped and all all that jazz and I was kind of like no I don't talk to people online I'm talking to my friends yay yeah I still don't have a great relationship with my parents but They've at least started to try. Yeah. And if I didn't come out to them, we would still be having this kind of fake... It's it's, it's the thing of when you are eventually able to talk about the big things in your life slowly, those small opening, like, connections happen, and it's good to have conversations, and, you know, it should concern you if your kids don't feel safe telling you things. That should be concerning. Yeah. So, like, I guess word of advice, like... Be honest with people, even though it's scary. Yeah. Like, they may react badly, but in the long run, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, like, going back to the episode itself, like, Connie apologises. She's like, I'm really sorry about lying to you. It started off as a tiny secret, and then it felt like if I didn't hide it, you wouldn't let me see Stephen ever again. And Dr. Mahesh Warren says, is that how you feel? Are we too controlling? And 
Connie's clearly a bit nervous about acknowledging that's the case. She's still a bit nervous about it because she says, maybe. Maybe yeah. you're too controlling. <laughs> she obviously thinks that she is. But yeah. But admitting it to her face. She's she's admitting it, but with the, like, the, the sort of dipping the toe in of admittance. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Mahesh Warren says, I just wanted to be a good mother. I just wanted to protect you. We'll pull back on the rules, and I'll try to keep an open mind about this and that and him. It scares me that you can't talk to me. I need to know what's happening in your life. I need to step in when you're over your he- in over your head. Would you just promise to me you'll stop all this lying? And they then say that they love each other, and it's a really nice, sweet resolution of, hey, I don't care what's going on in your life, as long as I know, like, as long as you feel up to telling me when things get too much, and that I know that if things get too much, you know you can come to me. Yeah. And that that's better than you getting in over your head and me not knowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, Stephen hugs the sword. Yeah. The symbol of his own mother. Yeah. It's it's a really bittersweet ending for Stephen, but it's a really yeah. sweet Connie Mahesh Warren ending. Mm-hmm. So, oh, goodness. Also, am I right that as far as the show currently exists going into its fifth season, Dr. Mahesh Warren and um, Doug Mahesh Warren have no idea about Stephen and Connie fusing yet. I don't think they've seen Stevonnie yet, have they? I don't think so. That's gonna be a thing to explain (laughs) at some point. Mm. (laughs) It seems like accepting magic is the first step. That's another big step. Yeah, I don't think everyone will be as chill about it as Greg was. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious to see that come out. So, anything else on 68? I am done. That's everything I have. All done. Okay, so the last one we have today is episode 69, Sadie's Song. Woo! Another one about issues with parents and communication and Mm -hmm. honesty. Um, I friggin' love this episode, just saying. So this this episode is where we kind of... It's the first time we hear Sadie sing, and she's voiced by one of the people from Garfunkel and Oates. The one with dark hair. Yeah, I always forget which one's Garfunkel and which one's Oates. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, One of them. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's amazing that they had, like, a professional singer and leave it this long before having her sing. Yeah, it just didn't... Yeah, they they put her as the shy, nervous singer, Mm. and then she doesn't sing again until she quietly sings a little bit at the end of season four. They they very much underplay her singing, but they use her to great effect when they do. Mm -hmm. She's who, who, whichever of the two it is that voices her is very good at being an awkward, nervous quiet, private singer. Yeah, absolutely. Which is kind of a difficult thing to act, I guess. Mm, especially if you're trained to be a singer and you do yeah. know how to sing properly. Um, so, Beachapalooza is about to happen. It's basically a big beach talent mm. show and Stephen walks in on Sadie singing in the break room. I just want to say it's really cool how Stephen um, is handing out the flyers because he says, here's you are, my lars. Yeah, so that it rhymes. Rars, my and Sadie, my lady. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's having some fun with it. Mm. Um, do we want to address the lyrics to um, Haven't You Noticed Brackets I'm a Star now or later? Um, I'm down for either. There is mm. some things to discuss in there, I think. Yeah, should we, should we discuss it now? Because this is the first time it comes up. Sure. 
So this is Sadie singing it alone in the break room, sort of unaware that Stephen's there. Mm. I can't help it if I make a scene, stepping out of my hot pink limousine. I'm turning heads and I'm stopping traffic. When I pose, they scream, and when I joke, they laugh. I've got a pair of eyes that they're getting lost in. They're hypnotised by my way of walking. I've got them dazzled like a stage magician. When I point, they look, and when I talk, they listen. Um, Like, the first half of that is very much, like, antithetical to what Sadie wants out of singing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a traditional kind of pop song about, it's, like, I'm awesome, everything's great. It's, I don't just want to sing, I want to be the very over-the-top centre of attention. Yeah, yeah. I want to be loved and adored yeah. is kind of the I, thing with it. I think it's really interesting having that as a choice of song for Sadie to sing along to, mm. because it's very against what Sadie seems to be okay with doing. Yeah. But it might also be a factor in encouraging Stephen and Sadie's mum to think, yeah, you want to be a big glamorous star because you're singing that song about being a star. Mm-hmm. It it might not help in that regard. Yeah. Um, everybody, well, everybody needs a friend and I've got you and you and you. So many, I can't even name them. Can you blame me? I'm too famous. Haven't you noticed that I'm a star, coming into view as the world is turning? Haven't you noticed I've made it this far? Now everyone can see me burning. I had a thought about this that I'd not thought about before watching this for Clodcast. Sure. This seems like a really similar sentiment of song, differently written. Like a to, comet. Co- like a yeah. comet. It's another song yeah. about, like, <laughs> I'm gonna be really big and famous, but I'm eventually going crash. to crash and burn. Mm-hmm. It's that last bit, yeah, that everyone can see me burning. That's the yeah. one that made me link it together yeah. when we're watching it. Yeah, like, Greg's seems to be a lot more, like, self-aware, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be the whole thing of with public success will come public failure. Yeah, it's... it's. I, I don't know if there's any significance to this being so similar to Like a Comet, but they are very similar sentiments. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if the same people wrote them. What, those two episodes, possibly? Mm. The two songs. Ooh, that, yeah, that Ooh. might be a point. Maybe just the person who wrote those songs has a real thing about That's crashing what I'm thinking. them. Like, yeah. I know that, for instance, Rebecca Sugar wrote the, um, the Take a Moment song. I'm not sure I've specifically what it's yeah. called is. The um, Sivani one about like yeah. counting down. Here comes a thought. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and I, th- I believe she said that there was something about writing it when she felt that she needed to kind of take that advice. Hmm. So there is something personal in that song. And I'm thinking, is there something personal in this song? Is there someone... It like, does seem that is way. Is someone worried about like, you know, crashing with all these eyes on them? Yeah. I have a... Uh wrote this down to research later because I want to know. Other than that, there's always the symbolic, like, the visual imagery of um, space rocks crashing down to Earth, which is like, oh, that could, in both instances, could be referencing the jams. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually a pop star that's uh, a jam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say that the pilot episode clearly played into the idea that the jams were kind of like pop star, like... Gem-esque characters. Well, they can all play instruments. We've seen this. Um, so, yeah. Um, Sadie is very shy at singing. And Stephen... Yeah. I just want to mention... Yeah, go, go, go. It's just something that's really stupid and funny. The buttons and the pockets on the back of Sadie's pants <gasps> make it look, look like a face. face. She's got a butt face. <laughs> 
I did not notice. No, I can't a... watch this episode without noticing it that her butt, when it's wiggling, looks like a face yeah, that's like, like a face her butt is, is wiggling around. and singing the song. Oh, I want to go back and see that. We'll, we'll pull it up when we finish recording podcast. I will show you her butt face. Please do. Um, it's so funny. Every single time, I can't take yeah. my eyes off of it. It's so weird. Mm. So at the start of this episode it's a lot more healthy than it ends up being because Stephen initially like gently introduces Sadie to the idea of singing. He's like, hey, you should sing in Beach of Palooza. She's like, yeah, sure. You know, why let my nerves get get the best of me? I'm going to do this. Um, and it all kind of goes downhill very quickly because Sadie just wants to practice the singing. That's what she enjoys. She wants to practice it. Stephen wants her to be flashy. Yeah. He wants her to have a routine and, like, Stephen it's and like her whole... mom are showing, like, the different levels of high heels when she's struggling to walk in the It's like a whole ones. big grand performance. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's with Stephen being really overdramatic and wanting everything to be over yeah. the top because that's what Stephen yeah. is. That mm-hmm. kind of embodies Stephen. Absolutely. Two years ago at Beach of Palooza, Stephen wore no clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a reference apparently to some sort of performance that he had no clothes on. Yeah, because yeah, now there's a, a rule. rule, so you have to wear clothes. Yeah, after my performance two years ago, they made a rule that you have to wear clothes. <laughs> okay, Stephen. Um, so I want to talk about Sadie's mum. She brings Sadie a very clearly unwanted heart teddy bear. Yeah. Is she very out of touch? Is this meant to maybe just show that she's very out of touch with Sadie's tastes? That's how I took it. I took it to be that, like, oh, I know you love this stuff, when in actuality it's she doesn't. Maybe love it at she all. showed a vague interest in one cuddly toy a decade ago. Well, yeah. that's what it seems to be like. But also, like, I can see it just being her mum trying to be like, look, I thought of you. Here's a teddy. Yeah, but clearly doing so without understanding what her daughter actually likes. Like, my mum used to do that, and I had, like, the entire top of my wardrobe was just a shit ton of teddies. And I was like, I appreciate yeah. all these teddies, but they're kind of taking over my room now. <laughs> well, we see here, there is a literal pile of them. And Sadie says to Stephen, like, oh, take one if you want. Yeah, not she, like, take one, just not that one. It's like, any of she them. She doesn't really care about any yeah. of them. But Stephen won't because he doesn't want to break up a family. <laughs> that is sweet. It's very Stephen. <laughs> oh, one thing I noticed, Sadie still has the scar on her face from the island vacation episode. Yeah. Oh, she got that, that with the giant fish. And I, I believe think, fighting the... I, uh, invisible monster invisible thing. Monster. I think later on, that's where they put the, the makeup star on her, yeah. is over the scar, okay. which I I think is just really interesting as a... She doesn't seem bothered by it, but I feel like her mother put it there to try and cover her scar. Yeah. Because, like, and that's, that's troublesome. Mm-hmm. That her mother decides, like, we're going to put a giant star over half your face. So that people don't see this part of your face. The part that you don't seem to mind. Yeah. Um, So Sadie's mum comes in and is overbearingly excited about this big routine idea. And I feel like Stephen gets roped in on this excitement. He's He's too quick to empathise with that excitement and be like, we're excited, yeah! Yeah, it (laughs) it multiplies his excitement for the event. Sadie's mum takes things from the lost mail bin. Oh, yeah. She says, oh, I work for the company, at least until I find out I take things in the lost mail bin, but that's just between us, right? <laughs> yep, she's a thief, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell? So, we, we get a bit of backstory very quickly from Sadie's mum goes through all the various things that Sadie's been interested in, and we learn 
Sadie has tried dipping a toe into multiple things that she might be interested in, and every time her mum assumes that it's her new lifelong dream and goes overboard to the extent that Sadie starts to hate the thing that she was previously a little interested in. The thing that she seemed the most interested in was baseball, which she got banned from doing because her mum punched the umpire, I think. Yep. Um, So yeah, then we get... Another reprise of the music as we have our montage of pushing Sadie to wear heels, makeup. Um, she's going to close out the show and she's you know going to have all eyes on her. None she's... of that is her decision. No. Yes. <laughs> like what I've written is like Sadie gets totally steamrolled over with Stephen and her mum. Mm. Because Stephen and her mum are very extroverted people. Yeah. Whereas Sadie is introverted. Exactly. So it happens a lot with shy people is where they just get walked all over because they don't want to kind of be like, oh, guys, I'm not comfortable and with this. The one thing she wanted to do, go home and practice the song, is the one thing she's not given time to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to Palooza. I love Kiki's act of the ventriloquism where she just has Gunga sat on her lap. As the dummy. As the dummy. I just want to say, how does Stephen know how to do makeup? Uh, Because that's a very Stephen thing to do, and I imagine Stephen just does makeup himself at home. Yeah, I'm like, does he have his own little makeup kit? I I honestly believe he does, probably, because he's just, he's he's casual with himself. He knows what he likes, and if he wants to wear makeup, he'll wear makeup. Because it doesn't seem like he's practicing. He's just like, okay, let's do the thing. And it's like he knows what he's doing. Well, I know that a lot of, well, maybe not a lot of people, but I have seen some people use this episode as part of their theory that Stephen is trans mm. i've seen that theory i don't think there's much to it but i don't personally I, subscribe to no. it but i subscribe very much to trans man lars <laughs> i do not subscribe to trans steven but if it was the case i wouldn't be opposed to it necessarily yeah if it happens i wouldn't complain about I, it but i also don't think it's necessary I, I think it's it's actively unnecessary in that it's really nice to have a character on tv who is a cis male character who's not afraid to be open with interests that are generally frowned upon for cis male characters. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a really nice thing to have on TV for cis guys that grow up with a lot of toxic representations of masculinity. That's the reason I don't subscribe to this theory. I do I yeah. like the idea that boys, like young boys, can watch this programme and they can be kind of sensitive. It's, it's okay to be sensitive and sometimes wear makeup or skirts if you want and be friends with girls and that you can still be a cis guy. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a nice thing to have out it there. It reminds me of the time I wore a Steven Universe t-shirt to the beach yeah. and there was a really young boy and he pointed at it and was like, Mom, look, Steven. <gasps> and I was like, oh. It is so nice that like that that's a thing and we yeah. definitely do need more like sensitive male role exactly. models for I, I, guys. I wouldn't want that to be taken away from yeah. the young boys that do identify as Steven. Yeah, definitely. Um... So other acts we have in the show include Ronaldo's rock person lecture, which when he's wheeling the um the 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 whiteboard out, he has you know the diamond made out of the diamonds? He has that missing one diamond. He has three diamonds that almost make a full diamond. It's almost it's, like the diamonds are gonna fuse into well, that it, giant diamond. Well, it's we've seen like this symbol before of the, the multiple diamonds, but white the white diamond at the top is always missing. It's like in the the training place for the sword yep. fighting, 
the white diamond is yeah. crumble. The one at the top is crumbling. Uh, sorry, pink one at the top is crumbling because pink diamond is shattered, was destroyed. Yeah. It suggests that Ronaldo not only knows that there are four diamonds in charge of gem society, but that at least one of them, Pink Diamond, is no longer part of the equation. Yeah, again, he's figured it out. He's Ronaldo figured, knows. He's figured yeah, out that Pink it, Diamond was shattered. They have the three diamond thing in the room where Jasper fights Garnet. Yes, yeah. It's floor. basically, whenever we see like a gem base or anything, if you look at the hieroglyphics, there is always a lot of yeah yeah it's the combined diamond made out of diamonds but missing pink Mm -hmm. um so ronaldo knows more than he's letting on once again about (laughs) gem society well he's he's been quite open about what he knows it's just that no one pays any attention to him we do now they're (laughs) going to attack the wind farms everyone yep he said it it's gonna happen um sadie is awkward and uncomfortable and does not want to do this Jamie is a mime. <laughs> Just jumping ahead. I, I like the cool kids in the back. It's like, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a box. Yeah. He's, he's doing a box. <laughs> we have worked out the great mystery. It's, I think that this kind of shows that all of the acts are very low-key and are yeah. quite mundane. Yeah. But they're building up Sadie's to be the big, grand mm. event. Yeah. Sadie has an active panic attack. I like I I believe that's what they're trying to show is mm. she's gasping she's struggling to breathe she says I can't breathe and rushes away from everyone tries to push everyone away yeah. um she tries to drink some water and Stephen says you ruined my lipstick <laughs> Stephen feels an ownership over this yeah. act yeah but it's like it's not you ruined your lipstick you ruined mine. <laughs> Um, with the emergency supply of glitter in the car, and like, does Sadie's mum just have that in the car always, or is that just for the show? Because I feel like it's an always thing. Like, she always, always has this bucket of glitter in the car, just, just in yeah. case. I would like to live a life where I had a vehicle that always had glitter on hand. <laughs> that seems like a good life to live. Mm. Um, That'd be great if someone... Uh, said something you didn't like, just celebrate them with glitter instead. It's like, ha ha, glitter yeah. for you. Well, that was the thing for our, the Glitter Bomb website for yeah. a while. You can mail someone glitter. It was meant to be like, you send it to your enemies, <laughs> so they open the letter and glitter, glitter goes everywhere. everywhere. I like that. So, yeah, we, we, Sadie has a, mo- a moment where she just completely loses it. Stephen draws a crude smile over Sadie's frown. Sadie starts screaming knocks over the water tank and submerges her face in it, washing all of the makeup off. Um, you're just as bad as my mum. And it floofs up her hair again. Yep. Her hair goes back to normal. Yeah, because it had been straightened yeah. for the yeah. event. She, she says you're just as bad as my mum and her mum walks in and she tries to take back what she says. She covers her mouth. She's like, oh no. It's another, it's like Connie again. It's yeah. She won't tell her mother what she wants to tell her. Mm-hmm. It's because her mum is too excited and she's so proud mm. of anything that Sadie wants to do that she tries to show it off and Sadie's like, yeah, but I, I'm an introvert. I would like to do the things I enjoy quietly without having yeah. such yep. a big to-do about it. Like, mm. yeah. let me do the thing I want to do the way I want to do it. It's Barbara, who is Sadie's mum, that I keep forgetting that she has a name and I only know it because I just looked at the transcript. Yeah, um, I was just like, who's Barbara? Bob, Bob. Yeah, she's, she's referenced as Bob. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, it's kind of pointed out that she she takes things to extremes. Like, she assumes because Sadie said she wanted to sing that this would all be appropriate. It's, please, mum, please don't make me do this. Make you? You said you wanted to sing. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I did. I did. I, I, I like, I, I like, I, I, just like I say a lot of things. Like, hey, mum, swimming looks fun. And then, bam, I'm anchoring the 400 meter relay for the Beach City Seals. Hey, mum, I thought singing, uh, signing up for softball would be nice. Six birthdays later, I'm still getting nothing but knee pads and batting helmets. Hey, mum, I want to sing in this year's Beachapalooza, and what do I get? This. I just thought, for once, I'd get to do things my way, but you came in and took over everything like you always do. That is an explosion of pent-up emotion that has clearly been boiling for oh, a yeah. while. That's, that's years in the making, right? That's there. not a spontaneous shout. No. That's a, this is a long-term issue. I've had shouts like that with my mum, with stuff like that. Yeah. Where she just kind of tries to take control and it's like, Nah, I want to do my own thing, leave me alone. Well, that kind of shout is how I told my stepdad I was trans, was one of those, well, this is this this conversation's happening. I do love that that's your coming out story. Um, well, Dad, this is why. Yeah, no, it was, that. that's a fun story. Ba- basically, the short version of that was I was having, um, I was stressing about the fact I was out to one of my parents and not the other, stressful situation. I was having a bit of an Asperger's-related meltdown incident and hitting at my head, and my dad and my stepdad said that I was clearly exaggerating it for attention, and I was like, nope, this is what's going on, Dad. I'm trans. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, Those kind of, like, pent-up, here's a bunch of things I've not been telling you. Those are fun shouts to have. Yeah, I have been there as well. Um, I think I've been there for a few of those ones, Mia. Yes, you have. <laughs> I just wanted everyone to know how talented my daughter is. This is not your daughter. I really like that line. Yeah. Yep. It underlines that she's turning Sadie into something else, like yeah. someone else. Your daughter is not the per- the person that you're trying to make her into or that you think she is or yeah. see her as. And oh, it's so heartbreaking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Sadie points out, how did I let this happen? I don't want to do this. And Stephen says, you never did. It was always me. The song starts playing and out walks Stephen. <laughs> it's more on kind of consent in that Stephen realises he's kind of forced her into yeah. going this direction with what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And luckily, because Stephen wanted to take such an active role in the whole like routine and the song and every part of it, that he already knows the routine. He knows what makeup she was going to wear. He just borrows the outfit and <laughs> decides yeah, to take it for a run on routine. the stage. He's yeah. going to come up with a dance. Yeah. It's all his idea. My, my favourite thing is there is zero mockery for Stephen in yep. heels and a dress and makeup singing a song by a female artist. And it's not played for a joke. No, that's mm-hmm. amazing. It's, it's not like, ha ha, isn't this a funny joke act? Uh, it's like, no, this is a very serious thing Stephen's doing and everyone thinks it's awesome. Yeah, You exactly. called it's it Gunga. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, you are right. Look, it's Stephen. No the, one's the, surprised. The only com- there's no laughter, and the only comment is that mystery guest bit had Stephen written all over it. Yep. Their comment is, oh, Stephen is very much all about panache and being over the top and being surprising and jumping out and being like, here we go, over the top. And Stephen sings his his you know female artist song about you know, can you blame me? I'm too famous. I'm a big old rock star, mm-hmm. and. 
I fucking love that. Yeah, I can't, honestly can't think of like any other example in children's TV where they've got yeah. a male character in a dress I, and in heels and it's not political. I can't think of any other piece of media full stop. Not even just for children. Where the a... Shizou. Oh yeah, the Shizou, good point. Shizou is iffy in some ways. Yeah. But... I've, well, I'll be fair, I've only seen one episode of it. I've seen a couple of them. Um... And it's constantly just kind of... It plays up on, this is a feminine trait, so now this will be the thing. Well, the creator has said that it's intended to be like a positive. mm, It's not meant to be Intent doesn't always mean execution. So for people who don't know what we're referencing, there is a children's animated TV show called Shizau, where basically cis male character gets magical abilities, um, goes through magical girl transformation, and is now female superhero, basically. And... Um, it's like, oh, you have all these magical powers, but you kind of have to wear a dress while you do it. Mm-hmm. And it, I get the thing they're going for, but it also at times is a bit iffy with how it handles that. Okay, mm-hmm. I've only seen the first episode. I, I watched. Several years I watched ago. a few episodes because people were asking me about opinions on it. <laughs> uh, it is not handled as free of laughs as this is. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Um, but like, it's not perfect, but it is another. It's, piece of media where cis male is wearing feminine things and it's not just it's not, because ha 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 look at this yeah there's more to it yeah. yeah so my point being like I can't personally think of anything I would say handles it this well of just no. it's such a complete no. non-issue because yeah Stephen's a you know over the top flamboyant character in the way that they like to be the centre of attention and yeah this is a very Stephen thing to do it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a joke it's just Stephen doing a very sincere, good performance that people enjoy. Um, during the performance, we see Sadie and Mum having a talk behind the stage and finally opening up to each other. Hooray for more episodes about communication between parents and children. Yep, there you go. Um, and it ends up just Sadie acoustically singing by herself again for Stephen in the break room. and When he plays on his ukulele. Yeah, they... they he realises that all she really wanted was quiet bit of ukulele music she could sing along with with a friend. Yeah, she wants to sing. She doesn't necessarily want to perform for an audience. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. She wants to sing, not perform. Mm. Yeah, and it's... it's. I really like that when we next see her sing like towards the end of season four, it's very much on her terms with the cool kids. They haven't pressured her to do it, but she's obviously, like, of her own volition decided to sing yeah. a little bit. Yeah. She just quietly singing and they give her a really nice quiet round of applause and there's no pressure because the cool kids are really nice yeah, <laughs> I like that the cool kids are actually nice yeah they're not jerks they're yeah. actually they have depth why does this powerful. not happen in real life <laughs> I want those cool kids hey hey you're friends with me we we are the cool kids this is I'm friends true. with both of you we, we are the cool kids we are the nice cool kids <laughs> So that is everything I had about Sadie's song. Anything else you'd like to say? I just had a tangent in that this episode makes me angry whenever I watch it because it reminds me of being at school a lot. Like, I was the introverted kid that every single teacher and my parents tried to encourage to be extroverted. Like, I went to a school that was all about performance and having the kids like stand up and like sing or dance or like do speeches and I was just kind of like the quiet kid who wanted to read and just kind of talk with my friends 
And throughout the entirety of school, I was made to feel that I that was, was the wrong. problem. Yeah, I, and people when, constantly tried to turn me into someone else. Yeah. So whenever I watch this episode, I'm just like, that's what happened yeah. to me. I, I know for myself, I grew up, um, I know it was ultimately to my benefit, but it was uncomfortable at the time. I grew up with parents who, because I was not very good at socialising, mm. were very, very intent on forcing me to be social, to try and sort of push me through autistic spectrum traits. And yeah. like... It's like, oh, you're uncomfortable with social situations, we're going to force you into social situations so you get better at them. Yeah, and I had that too. It was to my long-term benefit in terms of ability to get through social situations, but it was deeply unpleasant to go through at the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, brute force is not the way to make someone comfortable with social situations. No. Mm-hmm. It's teaching them how to ignore the fact that they're deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, and it just sends a message that it's wrong to be introverted. And it's not wrong to be introverted. There's nothing wrong with not being extroverted, not enjoying performance. It's because the introverted people get walked all over by the extroverts, so the extroverts are kind of like, no, you need to be like us, we are the right way to be. Yeah, which is And we're all quietly just like... Uh, no. No, <laughs> no. no, no, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll write a quiet academic essay <laughs> and leave it on the table about why I disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Is that everything mm-hmm. this week? Yeah, I had nothing else. Hooray! That's uh, episode 14, I believe, of the Crystal Clodcast Yay! is done. Woo! So without any further ado, self promotion. Mia, where are you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at OmiaGod. I also have a website called MiaViolet.com. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MiaViolet. Uh, I'll move on. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was tempted then to be like, oh god, I have no money at the moment. Should I go into a long kind of, oh god, please donate money to Patreon? And I was like, no, I won't do that. But now I've made it awkward by bringing it up. So, Retha, where are you on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've gone red, Mia! <laughs> I'm really poor, but I don't like asking for money. It's not oh, fair. you're cute. Um, I am super retar on the internet. Woo! I'm Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, YouTube, Patreon. That's what pays the bills. Other than that, you can find me... By the time this goes up, I will have recently had a couple of fighting game reviews on the Gymquisition, and I will have had my first IGN feature up, so I don't know what it's called, because we haven't settled on a headline yet, (laughs) but something about accidental lore from character creators. Tweet me if you can't find it, and I'll link you to it, probably. Uh, it's it's a good article. I can vouch for it. You, you've seen the draft. It, mm-hmm. I I liked it. I hope it's good, and I hope it actually makes it onto IGN. Now I said said this, and they're not just do. like it's shit. No, we're not publishing this. They, they, they will do. It's good. Fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. We'll have another episode for you again next week. Bye. <laughs>